to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. What? If you like your doctor, you will be able to keep your doctor. What difference at this point does it make? If you're looking to make sense out of what's going on in the world today, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to Southern Sense Talk Radio with your host, Annie, the Radio Chicky Bellis, and featuring Curtis C.S. Bennett and the most interesting guests that you'll find anywhere on Internet radio. And you can join the show and let your voice be heard by dialing 917-889-3675. So sit back, relax, and remember, Southern Sense is Common Sense. emergency strikes, what's your first impulse? If your answer is run to the grocery store, you're likely to find chaos and plenty of empty shelves. So how do you avoid this? Well, it's simple. You use today to make a plan to prepare for things that may happen. It's a hurricane, earthquake, blizzard, or even social unrest, especially in today's political environment. The practical place to start is by storing up food in your home. And I use my Patriot Supply for my food storage. If you don't have an emergency food supply, it's time to do so. Here's a great item that makes it really simple. A two-week food kit that comes in a rugged tote. And it's only $75 when you go to my special website, preparewithsouthernsense.com, or call 888-441-7290. This food kit includes breakfast, lunch, and dinners that will last up to 25 years on your storage shelves. So order now and prepare yourself, and then rest easy. So it's very simple. Just call 888-441-7290 or go to preparewithsouthernsense.com. You know what? Let's make it even more simple than that. You're listening to my show, and it's called Southern Sense, and you know you put a dash in the middle, 
southern-sense.com and click on the icon for My Patriot Food. Well, if you want to insist, you can still go to 888-441-7290 or go to my website, Southern Sense, put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. Be prepared. Good afternoon, and welcome back to another exciting Friday here in Southern Central, listening live on Block Talk Radio, SHR Media, Lone Star Daily News, up on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, YouTube, iHeartRadio, on oh, the heck with it, you know what I'm going to say, just go to the name of the show, put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. I'm your hostess, with the most is the Radio Chickadee, along with my Curtis, Courageous, <laughs> good afternoon, Curtis, how are you today? I'm doing great so far. I, I still feel like I've awakened to like um, the second civil war in this country. It just keeps getting crazier. Yeah, we've got a lot to talk about today. I want to welcome everyone that's in the chat room here on Blog Talk Radio. We also have it open over on Facebook Live. Feel free to post your comments or questions. I'll try to get to as many as possible. But we've got a lot going on here, Curtis. Uh, and thank you for bringing on some of these guests today. Uh, we've got going to start off with Congressman Ted Yoho. Uh, he'll be joining us. Uh, then we're going to have retired Navy Captain Ryman Shove. Uh, followed by former Florida Lieutenant Governor Jennifer Carroll. And then we're going to end the show with, from the Heritage Foundation, Mike Gonzalez. He's the Senior Fellow in Heritage Allison Center for Foreign Policy. Uh, so we've got a lot lined up, a lot to talk about, and the world has really gone insane. Holy moly. It has. I mean, I haven't seen anything like this since probably um... – the 60s, the late 60s, you know, with all the rioting and the discontent, you know. Um, most of that during that time was over the Vietnam War and and civil rights. But today it seems to be anything that goes, you know, as far as the left is concerned, anything that, you know, they say matters. It's not what really matters, no, yep. it's what matters to them. You know, it, it's it's really amazing, and with some of the things we see coming from the left uh, and their answer to this, uh, these people claiming, oh, I have to apologize for being born white. And I, I got so angry. I saw a post up onto, was it Gateway Pundit? Well, one of them. And um, they're talking about these people that are apologizing, and there's this professor out of Cambridge University she sounds like she's of Middle Eastern descent, possibly Pakistani or something like that. And she turns around and said, no white lives matter. And um, for saying that, they repaid her by promoting her. To consider that a single human life is not valuable, that's an atrocity, honestly. It should be everyone's well, life is important. Did not Martin Luther King say to us in his famous, famous speech that it should be the content of character, not the color of skin, that should matter? Well, that seems to be one of the, the core principles of the, the Democrats and progressive left, that uh, life really doesn't matter, you know, even though they pitch a pro, you know, uh, you know I care about lives, you know, um, Topic, but in reality, life doesn't mean much to them because if it did, especially black lives, 
it would be, you know, on our side when it comes to, like, abortion. You know, these little children, unborn children, they have a right to live, and who's deciding that they don't? It's those on the left. You know, if life, you know, black lives really matter, you know, as we all know, why aren't they um, upset about what's going on in the urban areas, black on black crime? Um, and like the president said on television um, a few nights ago, you look at the 20 worst um, urban cities in America, they all are run by Democrats and have been some for yeah. decades. So they don't have a record that they can boast about, you know, and really be serious. You know, I, I, I replied to that um, posting on uh, the Gateway Pundit, and I said, you know what? God doesn't make a mistake. If God does not make mistakes, then why should I apologize for how God decided when, where, and to whom I'm born? The only thing I'm responsible for is my actions, whether or not I follow the word of the Lord and the gospel as he preaches it, whether or not I am faithful to that path. That's If I'm not, then that is what I should apologize for. It's for my actions, not actions that happened generations ago that I have absolutely no connection for. Therefore, all lives matter. All lives are equal in the eyes of the law. In the eyes of the Lord, all lives are equal. So to say one person is placing themselves above another, then you're making yourself a deity, a master over everyone else. And that's not the way God intended us to be. Not at all. And this thing about tearing down statues and anything that represents the Civil War and slavery, no matter what side, you know, these statues, these these, um, people whose statues represents them, you know, served on. I mean, they're tearing down statues of uh, abolitionists and and people like General um, Ulysses Grant. I mean, General Ulysses S. Grant was the one president when he was a general in the Army. He wiped out the KKK. And they're tearing his statue down? You know, the thing is, these these folks doing this, they are very uneducated. I was looking at something on Twitter today, and I really don't spend a lot of time on Twitter. But there was one um, protester who was saying that the reason why they want to tear Lincoln's statue down is because he was a slave owner and things like that. And that's not true. These folks are ignorant, you know. And and when it comes to things like that, I mean, what are we going to do? You know, say, for instance, like during the, the 50s, 60s, and before, um, Japan was pretty had a pretty negative stereotype of blacks. You know, they had um, caricatures of blacks with big lips and, eating watermelons and stuff like that. Uh, what are we going to do? Are we going to protest that? And is everybody going to turn back in their Japanese-made you know, car and stereo? Are they going to go that far? <laughs> it's just crazy out there. Yeah, well, we're going to be getting into all of this. There's, there's so much we have to discuss, you know, especially when you're talking about that statue that uh, 
President Lincoln sent over and had uh, protected President Lincoln. I'm sorry, President Trump sent the troops over and the police over there to make sure they protect it and and, and keep it safe. Um, it's the emancipation statue that we're talking about in Washington D.C. And ironically, that statue was commissioned by freed slaves. They're the ones that had it erected. They're the ones that had it designed. And even more ironically, um, was was it General Lee or Jefferson, either Jefferson Davis or General Lee, I forget who it was, that spoke at the unveiling of that statue. And even he criticized it. He said that because of the Civil War, the black man is equal to the white man, so that they should be standing upright side by side. You know, but that's that's funny. From someone that defended the Confederacy, say criticizing the statue at the time of its uh, unveiling. So you know, this is a conversation we should be having healthily, a healthy one, not a destructive one. Let's debate the merits of the statue. What do you see in it? It's a piece of art, and art is subjective to what you understand about it. So if you don't like the way the artist depicted something, don't look at it. Walk away. However, I, there's one thing I will, I will agree with, which should be done legally and lawfully. If a statue was erected deliberately to promote segregation and the subjugation of the black after the Civil War, then I agree that that should be evaluated. It should be up to that state or that community to determine whether or not it should be removed. And if it is removed... Like they did here in the state of South Carolina, it should be placed in a museum so people can understand the context of it. Not saying that you support it, but to at least understand our history. Otherwise, we're going to repeat it. And if we look at these protests where you have only zones and having white people outside standing guard saying, you're not allowed to come in here. This is our private space. space." Isn't that bringing back segregation? Yeah, isn't that yeah. bringing back segregation? Isn't that creating more discrimination? Is that not racist? Instead of saying, that's let's stand shoulder to shoulder. Yeah, that's the last thing he wanted. And it should be the last thing any one of us want. But instead, in order to keep us divided and fighting, that is their method of keeping in power. They'll get your vote because now you're the victim. So now the Democratic Party is a party of victimhood. We're here to be your savior. So in order for us to save you, we need you to cede to us power and your liberties, your freedoms given to you under the Bill of Rights, protected and given to you by our founding fathers. So what? Some of them were slaveholders. But you look at the context of the time to understand the time they were living in and what they were fighting. They were fighting tyranny to get away from England and their imposing taxes or having the soldiers billeted in your own home, forcing you to give to them the fruits of your labor. It didn't matter that you were considered a British subject. Oh, yeah, that's right. The word is subject, not a citizen. So, you know, we have to look at the context of everything and understand our history to bring us forward. And instead, we're having it thrown at us and history rewritten and rewritten wrong. And that's true. Um, 
the left, like I said, they're about indoctrinating people and um, pretty much choosing what what part of history they want these children to know, you know, and um, a lot of it is anti-American and anti-capitalism, you know. So is it any wonder why we have these young protesters out there destroying everything, burning up the American flag? It's because they've been told for years under government-run schools that, you know, we are a bad country, you know, we are a racist country, which is not true. I always tell people that, you know, if if it was such a racist country, how did we um, abolish slavery? Blacks couldn't do it. They didn't have the right to vote at the time. And I said the white people who did liberate blacks from slavery are the very um, people who today these kids are taught to hate. And that's Republicans. I mean, you got to give it to the Democrats. They're their best PR, you know. They know how to change things and manipulate things and just outright lie about, you know, their past and their own history. And they're great at defining us. And I think we're in the position we are today because we had leaders who didn't fight for what we believe in, you know, as conservatives and Republicans. So, you know, they they control the narrative. You know. Well, um, this is all stuff we're going to be talking about. Education also leads a powerful role in that. When, when we get to Mike Gonzalez and probably even Jennifer Carroll, we're going to discuss that. Um, but I want to move along because people that listen to the show know that we start off each show with a dedication to a fallen hero. And today's dedication is going to go out to Deputy Sheriff Richard Edwards Witten of Liberty County Sheriff's Office out of Texas. His end of watch was Monday, February 3rd of 2002. And this is from lawenforcementtoday.com. Very sad news out of Liberty County, Texas. Deputy Richard Witten, who had survived being shot last year, has died. Deputy Witten was in physical therapy sessions on Monday, February 3rd of 2020, when he collapsed. He was said to have suffered from a heart attack, and revival efforts failed at the clinic. In May of 2019, Deputy Witten was paralyzed when he was shot in the neck by murder suspect Pavel Vito, 65 years old, who had already killed a woman and shot two others. The deputy had spent the last six months at TIRR Memorial Hermann in Houston and was hopeful that he would be going home soon. Liberty County Sheriff Bobby Rader said, He was improving and in good spirits some days ago. It was really a shock that this happened today. We were not expecting that. The sheriff called Deputy Witten to tell him he had been selected to be the Officer of the Year by the 100 Club. Unfortunately, He didn't get the opportunity to tell him of his award. Deputy Witten was still honored as Officer of the Year. Last September, Deputy Witten spoke to reporters at Blue Bonnet News about the incident and his recovery. His upbeat attitude was admirable, as was his message. During the interview, Deputy Witten said, 
I know the odds are that I'm not going to get out of here in the condition I want to be, but I still feel blessed. I am a God-fearing man. I believe that he is going to do for me whatever needs to be done. I pray to him all the time. Deputy Witten added, Life has changed, but I am not dead. Liberty County Sheriff's Office released the following statement after Deputy Witten's death. It is with deep sorrow that Liberty County Sheriff Bobby Rader announced that Deputy Richard Witten passed away with what at this time appears to be a heart attack late this afternoon while he was in physical therapy at a Houston Medical Center facility. Last year, Deputy Witten was shot in the neck while attempting to apprehend an armed murder suspect who had just shot and killed a woman and then shot two males at a business location in mid-Liberty County. After Vito shot Deputy Witten, he kept authorities looking for him for hours before shooting and killing himself. It was reported that Deputy Witten had confronted Vito while off-duty as he was apparently on his way to training. He spotted Vito and attempted to pull him over about a mile from the original shooting scene. When he spoke to Blue Bonnet News, he set up hearing the shooting incident over his police radio. It still took a minute for me for it to re- register with me. This is something that doesn't happen in Liberty County. I just passed the place where it happened, so I responded. I did what I had to do and got shot. But it's like I told my wife, I would do it all over again. Like a true hero, Deputy Witten pursued the suspect into an alley behind a veterinarian clinic. The deputy stepped out of the car with his gun out, and so did Vito. They were joined by bystanders leaving the vet clinic. Deputy Witten told reporters, I worried that if I took a shot, one of the bystanders would be injured, then I would be liable. But I kept my focus on him, Vito. He was acting really strange. He opened his car door, turned sideways in the seat, and put his feet on the ground. I hollered at him a couple of times to show me his hands. The next thing I knew, he pulled a gun up on his right side, the side I couldn't see, and shot at me, hitting me right in the neck. When he pulled that pistol up to fire at me, he never really aimed. It appeared that he had a lot of training in the past. I heard rumors later that he was an ex-Special Forces and defected to the U.S., but I can't say if that rumor is true or not. It definitely seemed like he had a lot of training in the past. Deputy Witten was instantly paralyzed from the gunshot wound. Another officer was on the scene with him and exchanged gunfire with Vito, who fled the scene. Deputy Witten had recalled to Blue Bonnet News about receiving medical care from Deputy Constable Lacey Pierce, a former military medic. He told reporters, Thank God she knew what she was doing. No one even knew I was shot at first. Then Lacey figured it out. She wrapped my neck in bandages to stop the life flight. I was conscious. I know this is going to sound crazy, but from the moment I was shot and fell to the ground, I was at peace. When I say that, I mean I wasn't panicking. Deputy Witten had been with the Liberty County Sheriff's Office for four years. He is survived by his wife of 14 years, Cammie Heard Witten, and their two children. Sheriff Rader and friends of Deputy Witten said he had been improving in physical therapy and had been working hard to be able to return home. The bullet Vito shot into Deputy 
was lodged into a vertebrae, causing paralysis. Following surgery, several fragments were still in his spine. He was slowly regaining use of his right arm and hand. The sheriff said Deputy Witten was a hero and added, he was making big improvements. This was shocking. I would have to agree with the sheriff calling Deputy Witten a hero. I enjoyed working in the community, the deputy said in September, trying to get rid of the bad guys so it would be a safer place for everyone else to live. I really enjoyed my job. I know how to say this, but I ate, drank, and breathed law enforcement. My goal is to come back, but it could take two years. Granted, I don't know in what capacity, but I will be back. Rest easy, Deputy Witten. We will all take it from here. Today's show is dedicated to Deputy Sheriff Richard Edward Witten. It is also dedicated to the, all the brave men and women out there that serve as first responders, be they law enforcement, firefighters, or emergency services. It is also dedicated to all the brave men and women out there that serve in our military, from the birth of this great nation through today and into its beautiful future. We dedicate to all of them this song by Todd Allen Harrington. My name is America. May God bless each and every one. Bye. 
All right, and we're back. You're here listening to Southern Sense here on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, Lone Star Daily News, iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, the heck with it. Just go to the name of the show, put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. Of course, I'm the Radio Chick Chick D. I've got to be careful about that. Radio Chick D. Annie, along with my <laughs> co-host, Courtesy S. Bennett. And we've got a surprise guest. Oh, I love this girl. Oh, man, I wish I could get her on the show more often, but I I've got so many people trying to get on, Lucretia, so don't get mad at me for not calling you back all the time. <laughs> but welcome back. How are you doing? Lucretia Hughes, a mighty might in her own right. Hey, hey, how do you like that one? A new catchphrase for you. A mighty might in her own right. <laughs> I like that. I'll, I'll wear it with a badge of honor. <laughs> the world has gone nuts, girl. I mean, Curtis and I before uh, during the dedication, we we're talking about it, and it just it's just getting weirder and weirder and weirder day by day. And we're getting nommer and nommer and nommer day by day. And I, I, I would say this uh, yesterday because I just got married and we just got back from our honeymoon, but I went live and I, I basically wow. said it: it's good versus evil right now. Thank you. Oh, it, it is. Well, congratulations. It I'm is. surprised someone didn't snatch you up sooner. You've got such a sweet time. <laughs> so I don't know what's going on. I know we're in a battlefield for the survival of the American way um, when it comes from what our founding fathers gave us, the, uh, the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights, all the way to our civil liberties. And now we're talking about defunding and dismantling the police. This is the 45 rules of communist goals that are being manifested before our eyes. It is. That is it so is. True. And it, it when you're having the leaders of Black Lives Matter admit that they were Marxist trained, come on. And when you have also was uh, reported in the um, Gateway Pundit yesterday that donations are being funneled through the Democratic-related Act Blue and handled yes. by the organization led by the Weather Underground. You know, we, yes. we already traced it back to them. And I mentioned a while ago when we saw Antifa first raise its ugly head, I told my co-host, I said, Look at them, the way they dress. Tell me they're not related to ISIS. The flags they were carrying, the way they were dressed, and the tactics they used. As if all of our enemies have gathered in this one force. Well, no offense, I truly believe that God's uh, soldiers are way bigger than the enemies of this world. And, and I wish, and that's why they're taking down these monuments. That's why you had Talcum X, Sean King, come out and said, now we need to start taking down the Jesus statues because of white supremacy. They, I never thought it was going to be, I knew it was going to be in my lifetime, but I never thought it was going to manifest within five-month radius. Everything that I've been studying for the last 11 years and talking about is literally coming into fruition in the last five months, and they're pushing harder and harder. You know, and that's I, because I they're desperate. My... They are very desperate. They are. Um, you know, the selections coming yeah. up, and they, everything else they tried so far has failed to derail Trump. And so they're, they're I mean, they're like a tiger backed up against the wall. You know, they're just coming at us with everything they got. They can't come out against us any more than what they have. Have you seen the indictment and the charges that's being filed? And underneath, you know, with the distraction, let's call COVID-19. I'm not getting into it with the people that got the 10-4 hats and running scared. I live my life not in fear. 
it's like I can't stop the guardian, the, the, the angel of death. So when God said it's my time, not you can help it, not fructose corn syrup and Dr. Bricks, who I call Dr. Scarf. None of them is going to stop me from loving my neighbors and not treating the American se- uh, citizens like they have leprosy. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, I made a comment on a posting that I saw, and I said, you notice that the rise of lunacy that has risen in just the last few months, and with it, the rise of the Jezebel spirit. The Jezebel spirit loves people that are crazy. The crazier they are, the better she works. And when you see it in this movement and the leadership of this movement, you see the Jezebel spirit in full force. Um, there was a, a meme that went out today, and it was uh, one of the, uh, it was a Black Lives Matter. And it says Jesus was a black woman. If, if the black community and anybody's community do not understand what the Jezebel spirit is and what the natural order of things are, that's where we have lost our way. We've lost our way a that lot. Is- the failure of the home, the fathers in the home, the males being uh, castrated from speaking, the, the hatred and the hunting of white males on top of black males. We have literally been seeing this push out there in our face for four years. And Antifa ain't nothing but Occupy Wall Street kids. This is what you call the participation award trophy winners growing up. We see it in so many different ways. And there's a new book out there called White Fragility. And it talks about now the Black Lives Matter creating the curriculum, college-level curriculum for kids from K through 12 pushing the Black Lives message, but yet saying you're doing it under racial uh, equality, when it's the exact opposite. And I turned around and said, what the heck is this white privilege? For some reason, I've never had it in my life. Camilla Harris, yeah, she got bused to school. So did I. But the only problem was I had to walk to school. By the time I got my younger brother and sister to school, I had to walk two miles to the school that I'm supposed to be bused to. So I, where's the white privilege on that? But Lucretia, here's the most important part. God doesn't make mistakes. He has chosen each and every one of us when, where, and to whom we were born. Up to that point, we're not responsible for anything that happened prior to our birth. But from the moment we were born, how we lived our life, that is the only thing that we should be responsible for. And if we make a mistake, then sure, then you look for forgiveness and apology. But if you're living a good life like you are, like I am, what am I apologizing for? Because, because they want you to feel inferior. They no, they want you to feel inferior to them. The spread of fear in everything. The only thing that is bigger than love and stronger than love is hope and fear. You can take, you can put so much pressure on a community or society or ethnic group or anything else. But when they get fed up with, from that fear, when they have lost it all, when they're losing their homes, when they can't pay their mortgages, when they don't know where they're going tomorrow, then you're going to see the true anarchy. Not only did we see them destroy not only the economic system within the United States after taking over a sixth of it called the Obamacare, then we saw the shutdown of thousands upon thousands of gallons of milk as the potatoes are rotting and farmers are going broke while families can't eat and struggle. But we see Nancy Pelosi with two $24,000 refrigerator freezers and some $14 ice cream. 
I'm sick of the hypocrisy. But like you said, Black Lives Matter ain't nothing but a feminist organization. Before you shout Black Lives Matter, won't you know what you're shouting first? Because their platform is not for men, it's not for the heterosexual, and it's not for Christ. That's a huge amen on that one. And it's definitely not for the United States and the Constitution. The one thing they want is the destruction of the Constitution. And once they do that, then everything in America just collapses. Well, they, they've been, for the last four years, and I say especially in Georgia, I truly believe that we were set up for a downfall. If you start really paying attention, four to five years ago, you see a lot of boards being appointed above the people that we elected. This is from unelected officials that's given us marching orders. We gave up that. But when it comes to CS, yourself, myself, we've been ringing the alarm. We just didn't, I didn't think it was just going to happen this, this soon. I thought we'd have a little bit more time to prepare people to get ready for what's coming down. Well, you know, I'm going to give you a little bit of a glimmer of hope because those that follow the show know that um, the church I belong to, the um, parish of St. Helena here in Beaufort, South Carolina, had split from the Episcopal Church because the Episcopal Church decided to not follow the gospel, and we decided to stay true to the gospel. So it was a total of 32 churches that split, and it was a tremendous long drawn out um, lawsuit and it ended up going up to the Supreme Court Supreme Court says no I'm sending it back to the state and they finally got a decision just this week we won we got to keep our churches we got it where we got our kept our property kept our intellectual property kept our symbols and kept our faith so there is a fight it is a very deep spiritual fight and as you said they started first in the homes to split the homes then they just started to split up the churches. And they're doing everything by dividing so that they can conquer and hoping that those of us that stay faithful to the Constitution and to our faith would sit down and shut up because we don't really, we're not, we're fighters, but we also don't want to make waves. I think it's time we stop sitting back and saying we're going to be quiet. It's time for us to come out and it's time to fight. Make waves. That should be my middle name. Lucretia, make waves, uh, Klukin. That should be my whole middle name because I don't mind making waves. You know, the one thing that God commanded us to do is get out there and witness in his name. You've got to give the facts. You've got to do your research. You've got to be logical and have common sense, but also a free will and a strong titanium backbone because this is when it's time for you to put on the full armor of God, not just the chest plate, because they're slinging those arrows not only at the leader of the free world, but also the people that placed him in that position. That is what I'm sick and tired of. Now, I'm going to say what's going on in the streets of America today is one good reason why we, we should always have a Second Amendment, because you need to protect yourself. I mean, I'm not sure if they're still carrying on in Atlanta, but, I mean, you got people out here destroying other people's property, you know. I mean, people who who work hard to, to, to get these businesses open, and, and, and they, they have people who work for them who are at a disadvantage now because these businesses have been destroyed by these um, protesters. Um, how can you claim to have the moral high ground when every time you can't get your way, you throw a tantrum? And that's the way the left is, you know. Well, look, I used to, I snatched the playbook a long time ago. That's no Mrs. Nice Girl to me anymore. Those same tactics they like to use on us, you throw it back at them. 
I don't know why all of a sudden that people of faith is supposed to be meek and mild because he wasn't, and he's not, because he's destroying the whole world the next time. So if he got that much wrath, and wrath is plainly in the Bible, we need to stop acting like we serve a passive God because we don't. We see what's going on, and this is what it takes to have a strong stance, just like your church leaders did, because we have pastors and I say wolves in the pulpit that don't care that it's uh, preaching secular movement right now. And they are trying to mix it up. And it's to the point that's where the the separation of church and state needs to step in and get involved. Because when it was first brought about, it was that the the government cannot dictate or give you a religion that you have to worship. So now what they're doing is playing, doing play on words. They're saying, the, you know, you have the, the freedom of worship. No, I have the freedom of religion. I don't have to be in four-corner house just to praise the Lord, just because you don't want to hear Jesus' name said out loud. People are picking and choosing, but this time around, it's time for us to really know what we're talking about because they, they haven't tripped me up yet. No, because everyone's keeps on telling you, but you've got separation of church and state, and you ask them, where is that in the Constitution? It was a letter written to some bishops by Thomas Jefferson. Show me where it was written in the Constitution or even in the Bill of Rights. It doesn't exist. But what it does say, we have the freedom of religion, and you cannot prevent the free expression thereof. So you can't prevent me from expressing my religion wherever, whenever, and however I choose. You look at uh, Bill de Blasio in New York City during this recent, everything that's going on, padlocking synagogues. But you ain't did nothing to that mosque. Nothing to that mosque. We gave over the biggest holiday of our faith, and that's Easter, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because of a recommendation from someone who studies eugenics. No one, we gave up and rolled over and played dead and gave up our civil liberties, and no one, and I'm saying in our mainstream media, from our politicians to our state leaders, said a word about it. No one. Us out here, we was, we was fighting mad. But them, no. you allowing them to riot all over the street, bust up neighborhoods, burn down stores, but you have one Trump rally, and all of a sudden now corona is back on the spike. Stop lying and stop using propaganda against the American citizens. And look where the spikes are. They're all in democratically held states and cities, all in areas where the rioting and the Black Lives Matter rallies were, not where Trump was. It was everywhere. Oh, you forget the about the bigger thing that you didn't put in there. You forgot and put oh, in sanctuary cities. <laughs> I think they're the same thing, aren't they, when you look at it in reality? Aren't they one and the same? <laughs> But the question is, is where is the anger of the average American person who is and the lies that have been told to us over and over and over again? No, you've got to stay at home. You can't go outdoors. And yet you had Governor Cuomo admit that a higher number of COVID cases occurred to people that were locked down in their apartment buildings and private homes rather than the people that went outside and played Frisbee with their kids. In his own words. Yes, indeed. And this is before or after busing sick COVID-19 patients up into senior citizens' homes. Or before or after he said, God uh, God didn't do that. I did that. We did that. 
This is the same person well, and the same people that signed the murder law. Are you shocked? I'm not. No. 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 And I, I, I knew of Andrew Cuomo long before he became governor. Um, but there was an interaction between a company that I had worked with and him, and it wasn't a very pleasant one. As a matter of fact, he was, he's rather a bigot. Um, I have a dear friend of mine from high school. He used to walk me to school every day. How sweet. But he just, within a two-week period, lost his mother-in-law and his father because of Governor Cuomo placing those patients in the nursing homes. And Curtis will attest to it. As soon as that happened, I I shouted, ranted, and raved. Nursing homes did not have the skills or the facilities to handle these patients. And you're deliberately sending a death sentence to over six thousand elderly people alone yep. so you know he should be led out of the governor's mansion in handcuffs same thing with de Blasio. should be leaving gracie mansion in handcuffs both of them should be charged with murder for the death of every single new yorker i say get on to that <laughs> and pam geller just instituted a lawsuit against the governor and the mayor so we're going to get a little uh, highlight on that one, finally. People are starting to talk about it. Uh, Janice Dean from Fox News talks about losing both of her parents because of the actions of Andrew Cuomo. I, I, we need more New Yorkers that lost a relative because of the actions of Andrew Cuomo to step up and start a lawsuit and demanding charges against them. Yep. I mean, just wondering if we can even get uh, Attorney A.G. A. Barr to institute federal charges because this would be uh, considered serial killer, probably the largest serial killing in the United States. um, We would, look, that's like wishful thinking. (laughs) You know they got immunity. You know they have immunity. We don't have immunity. They have immunity. That's why they're not scared of us. And you asking whether people act, they're out there. I see it all over my timeline in the last four months. But those people don't have a platform at all. They have a they have a Facebook page. But people that have shows, that have radio shows, I've been hearing it more from the people on our level, not people on Fox News, CNN, and the rest of that. They was falling into the social distancing crap too. And if you really look at what's going on in Fox News, I don't watch them. They are a waste of my time. They've been a waste of my time and been changing since uh, three days after President Donald Trump got elected. I shut them off. And then if you start looking at the people that they fired just for having an opinion and our great opinion at that, no, we, I'm not dealing with the Madoff brothers or the rest of the family either. <laughs> and and I, I'm not, I don't want the Madoffs. I don't want any more Clintons. I don't want any more Obamas. I am sick of the dynasty and the one percenters. Man, there's, there's so much that's going out there. I said Madoff. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, also, you, you mentioned you know getting the message out on the platforms we use. James O'Keefe has a new expose coming out exposing Facebook and the deliberate silencing of any conservative voice, and it is on a massive scale like we have never seen before. As a matter of fact, this is being broadcast on Facebook. So Zuckerberg, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> but, <laughs> he fell into that. He fell into that. I could care less about Mark Zuckerberg when he sat up there in front of that Senate committee and on that booster chair. I said it then. I said it again. You played yourself. Everything that you said, they're going to use against you. 
And since they want to break up and get the power away from the social media, that's what they planned on doing, net neutrality. And go to Parlor. They're I'm hearing that's a, that's a new website. Oh, yeah, I'm already up on Parlor. Uh, there's MeWe. There's a whole mess of them out there. Um, I really should put a list of them up on my, my regular homepage so people can check them out. Uh, there's, there's a lot of really great ones out there. Matter of fact, Gab is now expanding also. Um, I, I don't even remember half of the ones that I belong on. I have to go into my, my little bookmarks and just start checking off the list, which I, I think I will do over this weekend, guys. I'm going to put up a list on my homepage of other sites that are alternatives to Facebook. Uh, that's a very good idea. Thank you. Another thing we got to take a look at, um, there's companies popping up. I don't know if you're getting this. Whenever you open up a web page or an app on your computer or your phone, there's a little pop-up on most of them comes up or a message that comes up apologizing to Black Lives Matter. And it, it, yeah. it's getting to be so annoying. But companies such as uh Hewlett-Packard, PayPal, I mean, just about everyone is using PayPal today, Pepsi, Doritos, Adobe. I mean, the list and list goes on about the ones that are coming up and apologizing left and right for what? You're a capitalistic company. You're out there to promote your product. Why are you apologizing for people running in the street amok? You had nothing to do with it. What are you apologizing for? And then they're saying they're working to uh, bridge the cultural gap. Do you mean that um, simply because you're Pepsi, black people are not going to buy your product, so you've got to apologize to try to get them to purchase your product? Give me a break. That is the dumbest thing I could ever think of them saying. Hey, it's better than confusing a door handle with a noose. I'm just throwing that out there, too. Oh, geez, don't even get me started on that one. As soon as, as, as I've, I've been a NASCAR fan. As a matter of fact, I think they finally lost me. Um, when I heard that, and I said, Yanni, I told my husband, uh, this is going to be a Jesse Smollett moment. And within 24 hours, 15 FBI agents descended on Talladega racetrack. Matter of fact, Talladega historically had the first black NASCAR driver win, Wendell Scott. And they tried to take that win away, and Richard Petty stood up for him and got him to get that win. So, hey, tell me NASCAR is really racist in today's environment. It was a door pole, and they turned around. And tell me, you've got a multi-million dollar car parked in that garage. Do you think there's not going to be security? There's not going to be cameras 24-7? And someone's not going to pull up pictures of that garage from last year or even five years ago? Someone tied a rope so they could pull the garage door down, and it wasn't even a noose. It was just a simple loop knot so they can pull the door closed. And yet, they still perpetuate the lie. And the media ran. And they're going to keep doing it. Oh yeah, but they never apologize. They never, they never apologize. It's not in their DNA. It's not. Oh, that's why I don't apologize either. (laughs) <laughs> it's not politically correct And if you can sell the message That divides the country And makes a class of victims All the more power to them What is it never let a good crisis go by 
and this is what they had. And they had one crisis after another, and they've been building up steam. And you've, you've called it correctly. In five months, they've done something that we didn't expect in five years. Wow. Mm. Well, well, I'm just waiting for the a October lot of us surprise. What well, October? They're running out of the goodies in the bottom of the bag. What they going to put out there now? <laughs> but they got a pack of tricks. I don't know how deep it is, but they'll figure out something. <laughs> It'll fail, but they'll still try it. Uh, you know, and, and, he, you know, and you pointed out, it's just not you know the attack on white businesses, but it's the attack on Christian churches, on Jewish synagogues. But as you pointed out, not one single mosque has been attacked. Oh, yeah, but remember, there was that one guy had all the SWAT stickers and everything else outside of his, his building, and it turned out security cameras picked up him painting his own building. Talk about hate crime hoax. Mm. You know what? A majority when they, people start screaming a hate crime, it doesn't turn out to be a hate crime. It doesn't. It doesn't. I'm not jumping on those bandwagons. I'm, I give it, it's like 48 hours. You got 48 hours to find the murderer. You got 48 hours to prove me it's a true story before I jump on anything. And it's just like a, all this stuff that's happening. It's a lot of it I will not talk about. I and mean, I'm not going to talk about it because it's a waste of my time. I pull behind the curtain, not just rub and look at the, the surface. So, no, it's just so much with all this uh, division and racial issues. Me, like I said, my husband is white. I am black. You know, you would think of walking down Myrtle Beach, we would get stupid stares since we've been together. It's never happened. When you go out there and look at a doorknob and convince yourself it's a racist, then guess what? That doorknob is going to be a racist. I don't go out there and, and search for hate. But if you bring it in my face, I'm, I, have, I have what you call get out my face look. So you wouldn't get that close to me anyway. So it's just certain things I would not put up with. If you apologize to me, if you bend the knee to me, first of all, I'm going to hurt your feelings and make you look really small. And if you are a white person and you are liberal and you're trying to white explain something that I've dealt with all my life, I will make you feel even worse. I'm just fed <laughs> up with it, and I'm not putting up with it anymore. You know, as my friend Lloyd Marcus says, he's an unhyphenated American. And at one point, we looked at ourselves as a melting pot. We understood, yeah, there's cultural differences between people, but we get along. We, we, we sit down, we have a conversation, and we start to recognize our differences and find ways to work with them and around them and make this a united nation. But that idea has gone out, and they threw the baby out with the bathwater when they threw that idea out. And so, no. It's, it's better off if they divide us so that they can bring us down into socialism, into communism, into utter tyranny. It'll be 1984 in truth. Oh, it's already become in 1984. We allowed that when we started allowing our kids to go home with pads. I kept saying, you better keep hold on to the books. You got an encyclopedia dictionary, you need to hold on to it. Because if you look at the, the definitions of some words now compared to the words we was growing up, they have already went in there and pressed that one keystroke and have char- t- uh, changed the history. So no offense, me, I'm going to be dead. Y'all going to be dead. We going to be dead. We hopefully will teach the next generation that we come in contact with what is that strong foundation. That is all we can do. We can continue getting out there. I ain't taking it to the streets. I'm not going out there to burn nobody's business down. I'm going to sit down at that table. 
I'm going to run for political office. I'm going to keep running my mouth. I'm going to do my shows. I'm going to get louder and bolder and louder. And that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to continue ringing the alarm because right now, while y'all focusing, uh, other people are focusing on Black Lives Matter, you forgetting about the new war order. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's going to be up to us to bring the next generation up and teach them about freedom and liberty. There was one thing about this COVID lockdown. A lot of parents are finally realizing what is being taught to their kids. We're going to see a rise in homeschooling. We're going to see a rise in charter schools. We're going to see a rise in traditional religious schools. The public school system is going to see a decrease in population. Um, And I think that's going to be a good thing. What's your it's going to be a great thing. I think it'll be a great thing for parents to finally get back control of their own kids. I, I'm, I don't want that to come out that, you know, what's her name, Sabrina Harris and Hillary Clinton. You know, we got to get them while they're young. You know, your kids don't belong to you, but society as a whole. No, you birthed that child. And people started using schools as a babysitting class. Because when you have majority of the people that can't even read and write on a proficient level coming out of high school and going into immediate classes in college, that tells you there's a failure in the system. But when you have uh, uh, systems like Common Core that only teaches for a test and not teaches for life, what do you expect to happen? So now as the older and the greatest generation is dying away, we got the flower child generation that has gone book wild crazy. While Generation X, who y'all thought was going to be the worst generation, trying to save the next generation of participation trophy winners. So we're going to take everything that the greatest generation, the flower child generation, we're going to combine that together and teach the next generation. Because I don't know what happened to your generation. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I'm the the generation that voted for Ronald Reagan, so... (laughs) So, I mean, I, we, we were kind of like halfway, <laughs> halfway in between. Well, Lucretia, I want to thank you for joining us, especially last minute. You know, you're always welcome to call in and bust my butt anytime you want. <laughs> well, I was getting ready and for the show anyway. We just got back. This is my first show in about a week. So, you know, it's going to be hype tonight. And I, I can't wait. I got a lot to catch up on. And we're just going to have a hoot and any other time. Oh, well, so, Lucretia, what's your, what's your last name now? My last name is Lucretia Hughes Klukin. I'm high, so I'm keeping my name. What you talking about? I built that thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, with the last name right. of Klukin, you had to have married a white guy. There's no other way. Yes. Oh, and <laughs> I had to lift that kilt up. I just had to see what was under that kilt. He's got it. God bless Lucretia. We'll be speaking with you soon. <laughs> you have a great one. Bye, CCS. <laughs> All right. Thanks for sitting for us. Take care. Right. Lucretia, Thank you. Check her out. She'll be, she'll be broadcasting later on today up on Facebook, and it's always fun to listen to her. want to welcome aboard onto the show. Always welcome. Always great to have him. Uh, Florida, con- should say congressman from Florida, Ted Yoho, District 3. Good afternoon, Congressman. How are you today? Hi, Nanny. How you doing? Oh, as you can tell, we're having fun today. I wish I would have <laughs> tuned in earlier to hear uh, Lucretia more. Uh, that sounded very uh, uh, enlightening and entertaining. <laughs> oh, she, oh, is, yeah, she is a pistol. <laughs> she has her own show that she's been doing for 11 years. 
so I actually probably should get you onto her show because she is really, really a lot of fun, a very, very intelligent. She also, I think, she's a spokesman for the NRA. I should have mentioned that is she? too. Uh, but yeah, she is. Uh, the world has the world has gone absolutely nuts out there, Ted. And I mean, I, I was putting my notes together to talk with you, and like I'm trying to figure out where the heck to even start. I mean, you've been trying to pass through the House a law enforcement bill. And um, I know the president signed that executive order, and I take some umbrage with the order. There's good intentions in it, but there's a lot of stuff that's going to backfire on it. So I'm wondering where we stand with what you're pushing through on the House and whether it has any chance of succeeding in the Senate. Well, the Democrat bill that went through obviously passed the House, but there's no chance it's going to go anywhere in the Senate. Um, The... What I'm seeing is they're not really, they, the Democrats, are not really concerned about solving a problem. They want fodder for the election to get people riled up, to vote against Donald Trump, to vote against um, the police force. They want to keep the flames of racism and um, those things going, and they're doing a great job at it. Unfortunately, our country's paying a hell of a price for it, and... um, we need to focus on what's best for America, and unfortunately, they're focusing on what's best for the Democratic Party. Uh, that's the shameful part. It really no is. one really is paying attention. And you know, the more they divide, the more the Democrats can create a victim class. The more they have the victim class, the more they have voters. The more they have voters, the more they have them dependent upon government, and the more power they get, they get and obtain until they have complete control and we descend into total socialism but that's the whole point that's what they want that's exactly what they want and you know if you look at the war on poverty that was started under lyndon johnson we spent over 20 trillion dollars if you go back to the 40s and 50s in fact there was a great editorial or editorial in um, the wall street journal by jason l riley Um, it was june 23rd just this last week and uh, he talks about the, the nuclear family of the black family in America in the 40s and 50s, you know, up to the 40s and 50s. And he said it was a stronger nuclear family in, the, in a lot of cases than white families. And with the democratic uh, socialist programs that they put in, um, you, we've just seen a destruction of family, of, of the nuclear family. I know there's a lot of great single parents out there that do an awesome job. But when you have um, a structure that's broken down, that's the bedrock that everybody was in agreement with, um, with building solid children that become solid adults, that become responsible citizens, and you take out one of the legs of that stool, i.e. a two-parent household, uh, you really weaken that, you weaken a nation, and you get what we have today. Yeah, we've had Wilfred Riley on, and he's got a great book out there also. And, you know, this is something that you know people go, oh, well, you know, she can't help the fact that she got pregnant. Wait a minute. Uh, as you said, it was a different age in the 40s and 50s. It was a different moral standard. So why sure. don't we maintain that moral standard? Yes, she could have prevented herself from becoming pregnant. Yes, he could have done something about maintaining a family unit when he got her pregnant. When you have a family with a father and a mother in it, the children grow up better balanced mentally and physically. 
they end up ending up having a better education and with a better education, a better income. And if you keep the family unit together, you have a greater, stronger, healthier community, less crime, less drug addiction, less alcohol abuse, less domestic violence, less crime in the neighborhood. But no, if you break them apart, you create them dependent upon government. Once they're dependent upon government, you have a victim class and someone to continually vote you into office and pro- progress your socialistic policies. But that was the whole point. That's the whole point Lyndon Johnson did. How he just turned our nation on just that one legislation. It really is. And I heard somebody put it very succinctly, and it was really simple. The democratic policies give you what you want to keep you where you're at. And it's just for what you said. They want a victim class that keeps voting that way. And I had a very good um, email sent to me this morning from a very wise person that was giving advice to his uh, stepson. And um, he was going through the fallacies of the Democratic Party and, you know, the policies that they created, but using racism and division and blaming the Republican Party and the history getting skewed by the Democratic Party. And I'm seeing it up here. I mean, if anybody listened to, to any of the floor debates yesterday on the, um, on the police bill, and, of course, again, it was today on the making the District of D.C. a state, um, you know, it was race baiting in there by the Democrats and going on. And, um, you know, it was the rich white property owners and um, plantation and slave owners that had carved up to serve their own needs. And um, I'm not saying that none of that happened back in those days, but it's just that race baiting over and over again that they keep getting people inflamed instead of trying to solve the problem. And um, that email I got today, uh, again, it was very astute, and I agree 100% with it, because he went on to say how it's the political parties in here, the elites in both parties at the top, they want to protect the status quo and we have got to get rid of people that are Republican elites and Democratic elites. And we need to put people that will put America first. And if we do that, we'll solve the problems of this nation. But if we elect people that are going to serve a party, we're never going to get over this. Well, you know, following the um, primaries that have been going on recently, uh, we're seeing some of the rhinos, losing their primaries to these new upcomers that appear to be more conservative, more constitutional. So maybe we're going to see a revolution come this November at the ballot box. We sure hope so. And, um, you know, the unfortunate thing that counters that is the liberal progressives taking out the moderate Democrats. You know, Daniel Lipinski lost his primary, Elliot Engel, um, um, just a nice moderate Democrat. Um, he lost to the uh, liberal left uh, squad. So, you know, well, the one side's amassing the more liberal progressives, and it's important that we put in strong, true conservatives uh, that are willing to ch- challenge the status quo. Well, we're going to also see uh, something different, too because there's a number of Republicans and conservatives and independents voting on the Republican ticket compared to the numbers 
on the Democratic ticket that I think is going to see a repeat of what we've seen in the past primaries. Our side is going to be in a higher volume, but a quiet volume. They're not going to know it until after the ballots are counted. Uh, a friend of mine was running up in um, uh, Maryland, and he said the number of mail-in ballots that were coming in from Republicans time surpassed the numbers that were coming in from Democrats. So we're learning the tricks of their trade, and we're going to use them on them. I know in uh, in our district, um, it was typical that the Republican mail-ins came in earlier. Um, but it scares me with what the Democrats are pushing this, um, their, I think it was H.R. 1, their voting bill, where you could register the day of voting. You didn't have to have a, uh, any proof of identification. Um, you didn't have to have verica- verification of your address. You could just res- register and vote right there. And, um, you know, that's what scares me is that they're going to do more and more of that. And what would it stop yeah. anyone from crossing a state line? If you have something exactly. like the Four Corners in the in the Midwest, you can hit four states in one day. You know, the tri-state area, you can easily sure. hit five or six states in one day. So there is going to be a, the ability for a lot of fraud, which is what we've got to be careful about. Um, matter of fact, at one of our local GOP meetings a couple of months back, before everything got closed down, we were talking about you know how we were going to encourage voting. And only one other person in that county meeting was aware that South Carolina does have vote harvesting. This is something else we have to be very careful about. Unless we know what the rules of the game are, we've got to learn how to play by their rules. And only then can we overcome them. Right. And, you know, I got an email today from another guy talking about Michigan. Uh, I just received an invitation from the Center of Voter Information. He gives the address of it to commit voter fraud. This entity sent me a request to register my father living at my address to vote. The problem is that my father has never lived at my address. The bigger problem is that my father has died 26 years ago. They say vote by mail isn't a problem, really. And then there was another one that... um, um, I got three ballots to apply to vote by mail, and I live alone. And it had people's names on there. So people are going to fill these things out, and the vote harvesting will happen. And, um, you know, this is something all Americans should be concerned with because one person, one vote. And we want to make sure everybody has access to voting, but don't cheat the system. You know, well, we have a thing. <clears throat> vote like a Democrat often. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's one thing about the Democrats, you know, they are so big of hypocrites. Um, they will tell you that um, we, we, you know, need to go lax on the um, ID requirements for voting and things like that. And they don't like um, borders. But at their last convention, um, I remember that they had barriers to keep people out. You had to um, have an ID to get in. And have an ID. And, um, you know, it's just... It's ludicrous uh, the hypocrisy you know that they they live in, and um, I also want to um, say that one of the 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 texts or the emails that he was talking about was one that I sent the congressman about my stepson. Um, children these days, <laughs> yeah, thank you. Children these days have been indoctrinated, and you know we we have to make that effort to. Um, steer them in the right direction. It's such a challenge, but it could be done. You're absolutely right. 
And, you know, you go back to, I mean, what you brought up about um, the voter ID. You know, I think it's just common sense to get a voter ID. I think everybody should have that. And it protects the integrity of the process. But Curtis and Ann, you both know that when you say you got to have a voter ID, the first words they say is it's discriminatory. They're free. <laughs> we can take people to your house and give you a voter ID. It's not discriminatory, but that's what they use over and over again. I heard um, Barbara Lee on the floor yesterday talking about racism and discrimination and just going on. And, uh, you know, it's just pathetic how they use this to flame the, the people and get them angry. Uh, and it's not serving our nation well. No, it's not. It's not at all. And I have to laugh because, you know, they, they complain about voter ID, and yet they support a national ID. Yeah. So it's okay to have a national ID, but not a voter <laughs> ID. And a matter of fact, if you don't get a national ID by a certain date, you won't have access to any government building or other certain buildings uh, because you don't have a national ID, but it's okay if you don't have a voter ID. Right. Please, can someone explain that one? Wish I could. Um, <laughs> we did a floor speech last night. Um, uh, there was a special order, and I had received uh, from a dear friend of mine who's uh, uh, a black man over in. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say black man or African American because I heard we're, we're <laughs> black man now. And uh, Curtis, I don't know what you want to be called other than a friend of mine. <laughs> Um, uh, it's just an American. It's getting American patriot. It's just getting too confusing for me. Um, but what I did is I used this last night, and we were talking about the um, all the protesters out there, and what they're doing is they're tearing down all these statues, and you know they're just ignorant about our history. And um, I represent, or I sit on the Asia-Pacific subcommittee, and we deal with countries all over the world. And, of course, the one that's really in the forefront of losing liberties and freedoms, uh, it's not a country. It's a province of China, and that would be Hong Kong. These people are fighting for liberties and freedoms that are being taken away from them by an entity that has never known them, and that is the Communist Party. They don't know what inter, uh, uh, liberty and freedom is because they've never had it, and it scares them that there's free-thinking people out there that don't bow down to the Communist Party. Yet in this country, we have the right and the privilege to protest. But when I see people out there hijacking what happened to George Floyd, and that should never have happened to anybody, but hijacking that and turning it into anti-American and race-baiting and, and causing all this dissent. I read this quote, and it says, The lesson taught at this point by my human experience is simply this, that the man who will get up will be helped up, and the man who will not get up will be allowed to stay down. Personal independence is a vir virtue, and it is the soul of which comes, the sturdiest manhood. But there can be no independence without a large share of self-dependence. And this virtue cannot be bestowed. It must be developed from within. Any ideas who that is? Would that be Frederick Douglass? That is Frederick Douglass' self-made man speech over 100 years ago. So here's a man 
that was born into slavery, got out, educated himself, taught himself to read. And then he goes on and gives a speech like this, standing next to Lincoln. And this was, you know, I don't know if he used this speech or a different one at the emancipation um, statue uh, dedication. But here's a guy 100 years ago that realized the opportunity that America has. It's not a perfect country, but we've got a way to make it better. But you're only going to make it better by being engaged and having that self-worth and that um, willingness of being self-reliant and use the system of America, the opportunity it provides everybody. There's equal opportunity. It doesn't guarantee equal outcome. And he talks about the thing you've got to put in is work, 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 work. You know, but this group, they've ignored that. And I, I don't want to call them ignorant, but they're ignorant in their history. I will. They choose not to <laughs> recognize it, and they're using um, the falsism of the racism of George Floyd um, to do, do this destruction of our country. Well, they have to destroy the family, and along with yeah. the family, they have to destroy your faith, your religion. So they've already gone after the family. They have already divided churches. The whole congregations have split. Some have disappeared completely. Um, Thankfully, this past week, my congregation stood strong, and we've got the ruling where we keep our faith, we keep our property, we keep our symbols, and the progressive Episcopals can take a flying walk. (laughs) That's That's as far as I can say on that one. But we are fighting back. And one of the blessings with this COVID virus, and anyone thinks I'm crazy, please forgive me, but... I think it's that growth of homeschooling, the understanding of the need for school church choice. So, you know, we miss our faith. We miss traditional education. And the parents are finally seeing what is being shoved down their child's throat. And they're starting to see the game plan of the left. So we're going to see more charter schools. We're going to see more traditional schools. We're going to see more homeschooling. And we're going to see a decrease in public schooling, a decrease in the progressive's stranglehold on our education system. And that, I think I you're think absolutely one good right. Thing, I, the one good thing coming out of this virus. Also, it's going to be seen the lies that we have been handed to us by various government agencies, uh, by various media outlets, and above all, by China. They are right. not our friend. And when Richard Nixon started his ping pong policy, along with Kissinger, I started screaming. I was getting ready to graduate high school, and I kept on saying, back then, I had every single bone in my body was conserved. I said it was the biggest mistake he has ever made, and we've been making that mistake since he opened the doors. You are so right on that, and uh, for your listeners, because I know you two probably have already read this book, uh, The 100-Year Marathon by Michael Pillsbury. Uh, It goes through um, bringing China into the 21st century, and it starts off, I believe it was with Jimmy Carter, going through Nick or Nixon, Jimmy Carter, and then, you know, through Clinton, the Bushes, and uh, Obama, and uh, I'm sure I forgot one or two, and Reagan, too. Um, and it just how we've invited them in, all under the guise that, well, they'll become more westernized, and they'll be like South Korea or Japan, and they'll become Western democracies. I believe they missed that. I, I think that because oh, the Chinese said... 
The Chinese already said we have an 80-year plan, and right now they're completely, completely on track for it. You know, they've gotten into our industries, they've gotten into our military, they've gotten into our economy, our social networks, Hollywood, um, our cell phones, our other electronic equipment. They have stolen um, intellectual as well as technical properties. They have turned around and duplicated what we are making and selling it on eBay and Amazon at discount rates. You know, yep. There are so many things that they have done and so insinuated ourselves into every single aspect of our lives. And 99% of Americans are so unaware. COVID is now starting to open up their eyes. I mean, the, the lies that are coming out between them and WHO, I mean, why are we still even in WHO? I agree with Trump. We should pull it out. I do, too. Um, uh and we get, we both, uh, anybody that wants to pull out, we get criticized. But I said, no, absolutely not. When you look at um, uh, Secretary Tedros, uh, General Secretary Tedros, who's in charge of the WHO, the way he placated China, the way he said they were doing a great job, yet they allowed 5 million people to leave from Wuh- just the Wuhan area and uh, infect the rest of the world, the way they covered it up, uh, they didn't expose the virus. They haven't given the real virus, the original one. They haven't shared that the way they were supposed to. Um, I was talking to the State Department. They're not sure they still have given out the original virus. And, um, and, and they were saying how China did such a great response um, when, in fact, they had such a big problem there, they were covering it up. And so, absolutely, we should be pull, pulling out of that. And uh, I agree, if you pull out, there's going to be a void and a vacuum. But it doesn't prevent us from uh, changing the, the game plan or start our own organization and get other countries to join it, people that will be transparent. You know, it's funny. Um, recently, yeah. I, well, I was going to mention the one thing about the okay. medications, because you did a, a letter uh, to fellow congressmen about getting funds funding into certain organizations to help promote medications and their ingredients being made outside of China and mainly to bring it here to the United States and other nations friendly to us. Uh, This is something very important because back in September 14th of last year, I'm sorry, September 13th of last year, Friday the 13th, I ended up in the ER in full anaphylactic shock having an allergic reaction to an antibiotic, antibiotic I've taken for years. So really? when I heard about China controlling our medications, I'm wondering if that medication had been corrupted and how much medication is still coming out of there that is corrupted. A lot. Um, there's a great book that highlights all that. It's called China Rx, written by Rosemary Gibson. And uh, it's an it's a easy read, fast read, but it is a wealth of information. And when you read that you're going to be angry about our pharmaceutical companies. And to answer your question, I know, Curtis, you had a question. To answer your your statement on the APIs, which is the active pharmaceutical ingredients, uh, they are coming back to America. Uh, President Trump took the DFC, which is the Development Finance Corporation, which was our bill last Congress that got put in place. for It's an arm of foreign aid. And it was the first time ever they've redirected that to invest into America for the next two years, $6 billion to do the secure supply chain on our active pharmaceutical ingredients from Genesis to what they call the FDF, final dosage form. And uh, I've had 
I think four or five companies reached out. They're already in the line to get the financing to start development here in America. That's Curtis, fantastic. What was Curtis, your go question? ahead with your question. All right. I want to know if we had anybody protecting our statues in the District of Columbia, because I'm afraid if they get an opportunity to bring some of these statues down, it would be like a publicity coup for them. Um, I know State Representative Mike Hill was once talking about having a bill where all, you know, statues of veterans, no matter what side they, they served on during the Civil War, would be protected. And I'm just wondering if we are protecting these statues now, especially in the nation's capital. Yeah, we are. And it's interesting because I was talking to Mark Meadows, who's at a Freedom Caucus meeting. And, you know, where St. John's Church was, you've got Metropolitan Police of D.C. have a portion of that area. Capitol Hill Police have another portion. Um, the Federal Park Service has another portion. And then the Secret Service has another one. And uh, only in Washington can you have that much bureaucracy. And so he talked to uh, Attorney General Barr and says, I don't care who does it, these things need to be protected. And um, he got on to Christopher Ray about, you know what, you need to go out there and get your hands dirty, and these things, these people need to be arrested. They need to be charged with the damage. They need to pay the fines for those damages, and if necessary, they need to go to jail. And until you start enforcing the laws, you're going to have more of this going on. And it's kind of like what China does. They're going to push and invade or encroach on other people's territory in the South China Sea until somebody says something. We see them doing that in uh, India on this border clash that they're having. Um, And that's the way these people up here are that are hijacking what happened to George Floyd. And they're a Marxist, anti-American group. And until you start throwing some of these little kids that have never done anything in their life. Um, they've had privileged lives because they've not had to get their hands dirty. And they go to jail and they spend a, a day away from their cell phones. Um, they'll change their attitudes. Well, what we need also is an in- investigation into the funding behind this Black Lives Matter interview uh, organization, I should say, because Gateway Pundit published an article yesterday where he traces back fun, funds coming through the Democratic group Act Blue, as well as an organization led by the Weather Underground. Uh, right. And there are also possibly ties of Antifa and them to ISIS. So we need a criminal investigation to go into this group. No, I agree with you. And uh, there's talk about there, there's a, the conservatives up, up here want to put Antifa uh, mark them as a terrorist group. And, of course, the liberals are like, oh, no, they're just free speech, you know, First Amendment. Um, the mayor of Gainesville is a supporter of Antifa. He thinks they're a great organization, and uh, we've called him out on that. When you have a group that their sole purpose is to cause mayhem, chaos, and uh, break down the rule of law, they have no place in a civilized country. Well, Congressman, people can find you very simply by going to your name, Ted Yoho, Y-O-H-O, TedYoho.com. And Correct. this is your last term. You term limited yourself. Uh, I did. Sometimes we do that, we lose really good 
people. So I hope that you can get someone as wonderful as you to uh, to uh, run for office and win. Uh, well, we've got 10 people qualified, and I appreciate the kind words. <laughs> but that will give you free up time that you can be more frequent guests on the show or even start your own. There you go. <laughs> I'm going to hang out with Curtis Wafco fishing over in uh, Putnam County. <laughs> yeah. I would love that. <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, thank you, Congressman. Thank you for the hard work, and God bless, sir. Hey, thank you, and appreciate the work you guys do. See you later. Goodbye. Yes, you All take right. care. All, All right. right. Bye-bye. Bye right. to Carolyn. All right. Uh, one of the good guys, Congressman Ted Yoho out there. Uh, let's also welcome back another good guy. Always fun to have him on the show. And sometimes he even co-hosts with me when Ke- uh, Curtis is not around. I can't talk today. Uh, tired Navy <laughs> Captain Ryman Show. Good afternoon, Ryman. How are you today? Hello, Annie and Curtis. Thank you for having me on. How are we doing? Oh, just oh. fine. <laughs> Thanks for being on. We, yep, it's always so a pleasure. There's so much stuff going on. We're, Ryan, I, it's like the main thing we've been talking about is this Black Lives Matter movement and how the, the nation has gone absolutely nuts. And, you know, we had Lucretia Hughes on earlier. She's a wonderful. We just had Congressman Ted Yoho. Now you. I, it's like my head is spinning because things are happening so fast uh, that you, it's really hard to keep up with. And it's, it's, it's like oh, you're being shoved directly down your throat so you can't keep up with it. Well, that's true, and uh, let's uh, let's look at the history to see if we can figure out how we got to this point. And what I really see different in um, you know when you turn on the news and you see these rioters and these looters, and yet there seems to be very 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 little pushback. And Curtis already brought that up. You know, when when's the pushback going to begin? Not only do you not see pushback, but you see mayors pandering to the Black Lives Movement and the Antifa people. You have, um, as the congressman said, down in, down in Gainesville supporting Antifa. You have local mayors t- taking down statues in the middle of the night. You have pictures of a of, uh, mayor out in Los Angeles getting on his knees in front of uh, the Black Lives Matters group and, and really pandering to them. And how did we get to that point? Let me introduce you to uh, he's you don't hear his name very much, but he's probably the most evil guy that no one knows about, and that's a guy named Anthony Gramish, also uh, pronounced Anthony uh, Gramsci, and he was an Italian communist uh, in the 20s and 30s. Now, um, if you remember, uh, Mussolini was the fascist run in Italy at the time, and Hitler was running was a Nazi that was running Germany at the time. Uh, um, Mussolini put um, Gramsci in jail. So think about that. You're a communist, uh, and you're such an ass that the fascist who is friends with with uh, Hitler put you in jail. That ought to tell you what kind of what kind of guy we're dealing with here. But while he was in jail, he uh, wrote down his thoughts uh, and kind of put his tactics on paper. And there was. If you remember in 1917, that's when the Bolsheviks came in and took over Russia, and they did it violently. And what Gramsci said was that the Bolsheviks were wrong because what the Bolsheviks said is you don't, you don't, you're not nice about it. You come in, you're violent, you arrest everybody, you arrest the Christians, you kill them, and then you collect everybody else uh, that, that would be Christians or that are against you and then move them off to gulags. What Gramsci said is that that was wrong. What he said is, is that you come into a society – and you one by one take over the institutions. You start with education. You start teaching the, the, the children that their founding is, is 
is immoral, that their, their founding fathers are immoral, that they're unethical, and therefore you need to change it. Then you take over, once you have the education, then you roll into media, into news, into any government institutions, you roll into the church through social justice, and you begin to co-opt those institutions, those foundations, one by one. And what he said was, is that you will eventually raise up a generation that will not only stand uh, not only stand up for their rights, but they will move in a direction to get rid of their rights. And then once they've given up their rights and, and the communists have the power, then they're not going to give those those rights back or give you that, that power up. And that's exactly what you're seeing. And this push began in the 60s, and, and uh, Gramsci also said that if you do it correctly, it'll take you about four to five generations, and that generation will come up and overthrow the country from the inside. And that fourth generation is what you're seeing now on the streets. They've been indoctrinated through our school system. And you see the same thing through media, and they're all backed up, even ESPN. You can't even watch sports today without being political, and it's always from the left. We've sown the seeds. They've been educated, and now we are, uh, we're seeing the, the fruit of that. And that's how we've got to this point of mayors not even pushing back, but getting on their knees and saying, yeah, you're right. Come on in, loot, burn, steal, because we're going we're gonna to support you. It's on plan. It's completely – it's completely on task for what you know. You they've been praying. They've been praying for this to their leaders, not to God, but to their leaders, and they've been pushing this forward. And you know, I've made several observations <clears throat> as all this has been unfolding. Um, there's several things that work, and it, and as several other people have said, Curtis also, it's a battle between good and evil, plain and simple. And what we're seeing is you get leaders like Pelosi, like Chucky Schumer, like James Nadler, out there pushing the, oh, the peaceful, gentle side of the fight, whereas you then have the Antifa, the Black Lives Matter, and other groups pushing the other side of the fight, the more violent fight. Oh, wait a minute. You have to feel sorry for them. They're underprivileged. They came up, as you said, through all this history. So we have to help them. We, we, we are beholden to them now. And as you said, we kneel down. We ask their forgiveness. We apologize for white privilege. They're rewriting history. And the second they break up the family, they break up the churches, they break up the community, and then we're sitting ducks. You're absolutely right, and the other thing that I see in this uh, in this movement right now that's really disconcerting to me, because there's a part of me that you know I've studied history enough to think, gosh, the stress that we're seeing on our system right now, we've seen it before. You can imagine the stress that we had in 1776, the stress that we had in 1861, and the stress that we had in 1868. The difference between those three stress periods and what we're seeing now is 1776 was ushered in through the First Great Awakening. Then you see 1861 and the, and the abolitionist movement, that's ushered in by the Second Great Awakening. When you see the movement for civil rights to fulfill the promise of the Constitution that, that, that all men are created equal, that is led by uh, a pastor who is in, in locked arms with other pastors who are moving peaceably to, to fulfill the, the, uh, the promises of the Constitution. But this movement is, has nothing to do with pastors being locked in arm in arm. It's not about Judeo-Christian ethics. It's about uh, Leninist, Marxist, and Saul Alinsky. Totally different group, has nothing to do from um, ethics or morality, 
but really immorality and, and unethical uh, movement, as you said, is about breaking down the family. When you go on the Black Lives Matters website, they state straight up front that one of their goals is to destroy the traditional family. And we know that once the traditional family is gone, civilization is gone for that particular nation. History has, has shown that over and over again, and we're going to repeat that again if we don't get our act together and start pushing back. And it, it is time for us to start to push back. You know, we start in the voting booth. We start with our voices being out there in the public. And I mentioned before on the show, when I see these people apologizing for white privilege, I'm saying, who am I apologizing for? What am I apologizing for? Did God make a mistake? Only God chose when, where, and to whom I was born. This was not a choice. What my choice is is what I do with my life. I'm not responsible And I will not apologize for something I had nothing to do with generations ago or even the day before I was born. I'm responsible for my actions here and now, how I follow the word of the God and the gospel and how I live my life. And if I do it wrong, then I apologize for my own actions, not for someone else's. So I owe no one apology, and I kneel before no one save my God. But why aren't we getting that message across? Well, I'm, you know, I'm looking for things that that give me hope, and, uh, and I'm looking for Curtis to to give me his thoughts on this. Um, and you're, you're familiar with uh, Saul Linsky's Rule for Radicals, you know how how oh, yeah. you, 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 get, you get political power, and I have been teaching that book for ten years now. And any any every time that I've been asked to teach this book, it's always been some political entity. Uh, I uh, had a Rotary Club ask me to come in and teach one time, but I had someone who, call, who called me about three weeks ago, um, and at first I didn't even you know, pick up the phone. I just listened to the voice message, and then, and then I called this person back. But I had uh, a black pastor who called me and said, hey, I got your name from somebody else. I want to get together a group of black pastors, and I want you to come in and teach us this rules for radical, this book that I've heard that's dedicated to Lucifer. And this is the first time that I've had any – even my own church hasn't asked me to, to give this lecture. And here I have a group that's come to me that I'm doing it on the 16th of July. And Curtis, what I'm kind of wondering from you is, is, is the Holy Spirit moving through the black community? Is, 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 there, is there a movement in the black community that is moving – that someone can lob onto and move this country in the right direction? Because I don't see it – You know, when I, when I watch a lot of these riots, I see a lot of angry white people in there going on uh, and, and acting foolish. And I'm just kind of wondering because, like I said, I've never had a church to, to grab me before, but, and it's, it's a group of black ministers, and they're, they're, they're concerned about what's going on in their own community. And I want to hear your thoughts on that, if maybe the Holy Spirit's not working in the black community to move this country in a different direction than what we're seeing right now. Sure. Um, and I was just up in Philadelphia a couple of weeks ago uh, to visit with my, my recovering uh, mother. She had pneumonia. But I will tell you this much. The black community in Philadelphia, as it is in a lot of our urban cities run by Democrats, these folks are, they are brainwashed. They have been uh, propagandized from the word go. I mean, from Get Start programs, Head Start programs, all the way through college. Um, They've had left-leaning professors, teachers, teachers. 
the, the news that they watch is left-leaning, you know, the alphabet um, news uh, media and um, MSNBC and CNN, that, that cabal. And, uh, and then they watch movies that are about environmental issues, you know, that lean left. So they're, they're brought up believing that America is racist and, 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 and evil and is the cause of a lot of problems in the world. They really believe this, and uh, I I go up there. I don't even mention politics, and some people up there, some family members know my position, others don't. But um, those, especially who don't know, for some reason, they they got this hatred for Trump and Republicans, and that's because they're ignorant, you know, not on their their own behalf, but because of the system. The system made them ignorant, and uh, but to your question. Yes, there there is a, a spiritual awakening as well as a political awakening in the black community. And it's um, the result, of course, of the almighty God and also people like myself who are putting out, you know, the truth about the two parties and the history of the two parties. There's an organization called um, Black Voices for Trump, and they're out there. Um, getting the word to the black community. And basically, we you, you can't go in there and try to mention Trump's name because that's going to shut them down right off the bat. <clears throat> but if we go in there <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> and teach them about what conservatism is about, because most blacks are conservatives at heart. They just don't know it, <clears throat> and they vote Democrat. But we are making great strides. Now, a lot of blacks will not tell you when you ask them or if they are polled that they're going to vote for Trump, but they will. And I think that's what tripped them up the last time that Trump won, the fact that um, a lot of people just didn't show their hand, you know, they kept their vote close to their vest. And I think that's that same thing's going to happen, even though more and more blacks are speaking out in support of Republicans, conservatism, and and the president. I see it on Twitter, Facebook. So I am very encouraged. I hope that answers yeah. your question to some degree. <clears throat> well, it, it does. I mean, I'm I'm looking for something that I can gives me hope for the future. And you know, when uh, when this pastor called me and asked me to teach uh, Solvinsky's book, I said, Oh gosh, this is this is definitely different for me. Out of out of a decade of teaching, this is the first time I've had a church to come to me and ask to teach it. And then, of course, when I hear uh, your show that a woman named Lucretia is getting ready to have a hoot nanny, that gives me a little hope for for the future also. <laughs> <laughs> she, she, she was on fire, and a, and a hoot nanny is definitely a word that somebody in the South will understand. So I was like, okay, this this uh, she's got it going on here. This is going to be really worth listening to. But um, but I, I I hope that's the case. And again, I go back to the you know the, the three points in history where there was a lot of uprising, but it was driven it was driven from a spiritual uh, perspective, and I don't see that in this. But then. Uh, I've recently watched a video of um, it was it was at a hospital and it was all, all uh, the, uh, white uh, nurses and doctors there at the hospital and they've all got Black Lives Matter signs and this 
black gentleman comes up and he's videotaping. He says, hey, do you guys support Black Lives Matters? And they're all like cheering and carrying on. And this one woman comes out and gets on her knees with a uh, Black Lives Matters poster. And then he says, oh, well, I really appreciate that. How about uh, Black Lives at uh, Planned Parenthood? Do they, do they have any value? And then they all got quiet. And the woman got up off her knees and had the sign and turned her back on him. And then he says – then he starts taunting them. He's like, oh, suddenly I talk about the black babies, and you guys don't seem to care anymore. I thought you were in a medical profession. Don't, don't they have any value? His boys got off of quiet here, and then they all kind of stonewalled him. And I thought, well, here's another example of maybe there's a spirit moving in the black community that you know God has tried other avenues, and he's not getting any takers, and I'm just kind of wondering if maybe the, the Holy Spirit's not moving on, on that part of our society, and I'm seeing these people rise up. I mean, look at Tim Scott in South Carolina. I mean, that guy is has been taking darts and arrows, but he is out in the forefront. I mean, everywhere I go, I hear him. I turn on news, I see him. I turn him on uh, the radio, I hear him. I was even listening to Focus on the Family last week. He's on Focus on the Family. I can't turn on the radio or the television without hearing this guy. He's really in the forefront, in my opinion, on this issue. He happens to be my my senator, along with Lindsey Gramnesty. Uh, but uh, yeah, I've met him, and he's a really, really sweet guy. But if you look at, at actually what mainstream media is not putting out there, if you go onto the social networks, you do see, especially when Biden said, if you don't vote for me, you're not black. There was a lot of mm-hmm. anger and backlash that I saw from the black community on social media. And, Chris, you probably saw it from where you live also. Uh, but when you tell someone that if you don't do something, then you can't possibly be black, or if you do do something, you can't possibly be black, that's going to get that community really angry. If you do it to a white person, they're going to go, oh, well, you know, I suffer from white privilege, so maybe you're right. Maybe I am the racist. But you don't get that from the black community. You, you will get the backlash and anger. So we have to have the Holy Spirit here in our community to start moving us and stop saying, stop apologizing because God chose me to be who I am at this moment in time. But live my life as well as I can by the word of God. And if I don't, then criticize me. Prove to me. Show me exactly what I did that gives you the right to say that I am racist simply because the color of my skin. Did not Martin Luther King preach about the content of character over color of skin? And if this is what you want, civil rights, if you want equality, then why aren't you following the words of Martin Luther King? But it's coming from me, a white girl, so wait a minute, I'm saying racist things then. Yeah, and I'll go back to uh, I, I really think that the answer is is in the black community. Um, you know, if you read Star Parker's book, Uncle Sam's Plantation, I mean, clearly she's been indoctrinated. She figured it out, and she moved away from it, and she has become very, very successful. And so there's plenty of examples up there or plenty of examples of people who are looking at what's going on around us and saying, hey, this is, this is not fulfilling the promise of the Constitution. In fact, it's violent. We're destroying black businesses. We're destroying our communities, and other people are getting swept up in it as well. And it's not going to stop until there is a pushback. And um, I think it's time for all of us who are of right-mindedness to begin to push back sooner rather than later. See, no, that's what I, shows I would add to – yeah, I would add that um, during the civil rights um, movement of the 60s, you know, because some blacks think that's when it all started, the late 50s and 60s, actually civil rights 
was started by the Republican Party back in the you know 1800s. Actually, when the party was formed, 1854. Um, um, but anyway, during the civil rights era of the 60s, the black church played a prominent role in um, gaining you know civil rights and equality for blacks. But since then, they have failed the black community, if you want to ask me, because here they are voting Democrat. And if you stop and look at what the platform is for the Democrats, it's just anti-Christ, anti-church, as well as anti-American, you know, aborting children. You know, how can you be a minister and not preach out against that? You know, how can you, you – promote something like the Democrats um, um, same-sex marriage, you know, men kissing men and women carrying on and and promote that, you know, and vote for that. So we have to, you know, really put the pressure on the black ministers who who are not looking at this from a moral viewpoint, you know, nor a spiritual one. And like I said, I think that's why a lot of blacks do vote Democrat, too, because of the leaders that they follow. And some of the most prominent leaders in the black communities are pastors. Well, you know, I yeah, think, well, I think would like, black yeah, I would like to see some pushback. Well, uh, Ryan, Ryan, I think they made a mistake when they called for the destruction of the statue of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I, there's a lot of religious areas in the black community and the first Emmanuel church, the uh, Baptist church, it's going to be a very interesting conversation. I wish I could be a fly on the wall in some of these churches to hear what the conversation is. How do you balance black lives matter and yet call for the very destruction of your heart, your faith? It, It, there's going to be a rift in the community, and I think that is the one thing they have just done to shoot themselves in the foot. Well, I, I agree with that, and I, I just have to come back to you know the, the Holy Spirit of pushing us all together because once that happens, then you get these great movements. You get the movement in 1776. You get the movement in 1861. You get the movement in 1868, and, and goodness comes out of that. Clearly, there was violence. I mean, the four years we were in the Civil War, we killed two percent of the total population of the nation during that time. But it's it's got to be moral and ethical, or you're not gonna you're not gonna enjoy the other side. There's gonna be death and destruction, but if it's not moral and ethical when you come out the other side, it's only worse than than when you started. Well, we've discussed on the show also the Jezebel spirit. And when you see items like this happening, you start looking at the faces of people, the personalities of people. What are they saying? What are you doing? And the Jezebel spirit love those people that have traits of lunacy. And you see a rise of lunacy in these movements. And then you look at what our politicians are saying, what the media is saying. You're watching the Jezebel spirit moving forward. So it is going to be a war of good versus evil. And right now we're seeing the worst part of it at this point in time. And I think we're not over yet. It's going to have to go a little bit higher on the hill before we hit that tipping point and we can finally win the battle back. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, the, the spirit of the Jezebel is, is a great point. I mean, look at what happened after 
Trump's inauguration. There was supposedly this grassroots movement, which we found out later on. It was very highly organized from the, the very beginning. But you had all of these women in D.C. They're screaming, they're yelling, they're running around with vagina hats on their heads, and I'm sitting there watching. And that was nothing but the spirit of the Jezebel, thinking, why would we ever want to put those people in charge? I mean, they there is no rationality at all among <laughs> them. It's just screaming hysteria. That is so true. I got- I was smack I was smack in the middle of that because the apartment we stayed at so we could go to the inauguration was just four blocks behind the Capitol. And as we were trying to get the car packed up, they are marching right in front of us. And as I'm putting one of the suitcases in the car, here comes a pastor with a woman and a child and he's supporting this and she's holding a sign saying, My body, my choice and I looked at the pastor and I looked at the woman and I said, Pastor, you're a man of God. You just you actually believe in the destruction of life when God said, I know you in the womb. He turned bright red, had nothing to say. And my girlfriend grabbed me and goes, you're going to get us killed. <laughs> but I was smacked in the heart of that. I saw them. And you're right, sheer lunacy. And I'm going to call them for exactly what they are. The Jezebel spirit fed on that. But it is, it is highly organized. And when we come back to the Black Lives Matter, again, Act Blue and um, the Weather Underground behind the funding for them, we're going to find ISIS has already been part of their funding. Look at Antifa, the same exact uniforms, same flags. Our enemies are gathering, and they're hitting us from every single direction, and we're going to have to be ready. Yeah, I agree with you. I, uh, you know, my last four years, I talked uh, at the National War College in D.C., and and when I was up there, I would listen to the leftist point of view because I I worked around a lot of people from Oxford and Princeton and Harvard and, you know, very smart people. Uh, Very smart, yes, but not a lot of wisdom, and there's a big difference between being smart and being wise. Didn't didn't get a lot of wisdom from them, but I would listen, at least try to understand their viewpoint, and when I really stopped was when – the day of Trump's inauguration, uh, there's a limo that's on fire. There's there's businesses that are being broken into, and the police are standing there doing nothing. And the reason that they're standing there doing nothing is because some somebody above them gave them the order of, hey, when this happens, don't you do anything. Don't you stop them. Just let them go. And I'm thinking in my head, you know, I'm, I'm really tired of trying to understand the left because that could be my house. That someone's breaking into that could be my car set on fire and I could be standing next to police officers saying, are you going to do something? And they're going to say no. And that switch went off on me at that point that, you know, this is very serious business and I don't want that to happen to my house. And here we are three and a half years later. And yet three weeks ago, it happened 20 miles away from my house with a, with a police car destroyed, rioting downtown Jacksonville, uh, a deputy that is stabbed. I'm like, okay, it went from three, in three and a half years, it went from Washington, D.C. to 20, 20 miles from my house. When they come that final 20 miles, am I just supposed to stand there and take it, Annie and Curtis, or am I supposed to fight back? I think, you know, depending on the, what, we, what we hear on your show, what stand I would be taking at that point. <laughs> well, you know, I Absolutely. knew we were in trouble a couple of months ago when the video came out of some police officers. Um, I'm not sure what the situation was, but there were people throwing water on them, you know. I mean, just oh, pouring water on them. 
And I said, well, you know. And they were trying to make an arrest. Right. And I said, they are emboldened by this or allowed to be emboldened by this. It's going to get worse. And surely it did. They could have nipped it in the bud right then and there. But whoever the police officer, I mean, the sheriff or police chief or the mayor uh, at that time told them to stand down and do nothing. And I think that was the wrong decision. They should have nipped it in the bud. No, and matter of fact, keep going um, until someone finally stands up and pushes back. Well, we saw that in uh, Tampa just two days ago. Uh, two officers responded to a call of someone being shot. They show up at the scene. It's the middle of a Black Lives Matter. They've got all four intersections blocked. The officers are trying to find the victim to help the victim. And instead, hundreds of these members started pelting them with bottles and rocks. Uh, they were jumping on top of the patrol car. Tampa police chief said, uh-uh, I ain't having this. He called everyone in, all the surrounding jurisdictions, and they called that right away. On the other hand, you have in New York City, in Brooklyn, where I used to patrol, uh, they're driving through an area where there's an active gun battle going on, and they just keep on going because the police commissioner, who was appointed by Mayor de Blasio, has them standing down. De Blasio is destroying New York, and the cops are helpless. And when we see New York City go into complete anarchy, I think the rest of the nation is going to say, enough is enough. It's time we stop. I hope so. I certainly hope so. Well, Ryman, it has been a pleasure having us with you with us today. Where can people find you if they want to follow through with you? <clears throat> Well, you can go to the We Can Be Heroes Foundation website. I'm the spokesman for uh, for, for that group, and we have all kind of uh, lectures on there, including my Saul Linsky's lecture, and that's WeCanBeHeroesFoundation.org. And uh, love to see people join us, and we're always uh, looking for those uh, unsung heroes so that we can honor them, and you'll find out uh, all that information as well as my contact information there at the WeCanBeHeroesFoundation.org. Well, God bless you, Ryman, for all the hard work you do. And, you know, just a phone call away, we'll get you back on the show anytime you want. Most certainly. Well, you know, Annie, I told, I told you my son's getting ready to be stationed there in Beaufort, so when I come up to see him next month, I'm going to be knocking on your door. <laughs> oh, we'll go out for cocktails. Absolutely. My I'm scotch. Look, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> okay, great. All right. Take care. All right. All take right. care. I forgot, his, I forgot his son is going through uh, – Trading over here. Uh, okay, it's going to be a lot of fun to meet him. All right, we're going to bring on to the show once again, always fun to have a former lieutenant governor of the great state of Florida, where you are there, Curtis, Jennifer Carroll. Good afternoon, Jennifer. How are you today? I am good afternoon. I am doing great. How are you guys doing? I'm just oh, fine. Just trying to make heads or tails out of this upside down world. My goodness. And, and but I saw the video of what was going on down in Tampa, Florida. My heart just broke. And then seeing the converse video of the, what was going on in NYPD in Brooklyn, where I used to patrol, uh, the world is upside down. Well, you know what? It's not so much a world. It's our United States, our, our republic that's being run by a small group of people that are louder than the majority and our inept leaders are allowing it to happen on both sides of the aisle because this should not be occurring in the United States in the 21st century that we're in, not in the year of the vision of 2020. 
And so the other uh, sector of the of the world, they're showing us how to lead. They're they're more upstanding than we are in this juncture. And so I blame our elected officials that are supposed to be the big boys and big girls to be the ones to take charge and bring about, um, you know, reduce the chaos and bring about leadership that's necessary to calm things down. But we're seeing we're so heightened in a political environment where it's win at all costs. No matter how crazy you make the people to be, no matter how chaotic you make the environment, as long as your party wins. And that is absolutely wrong if you so claim to love your country. You should not want it run in this manner. And if our forefathers were looking at us today, they would say this is not the intent that we had for the Constitution that we created. This is not the intent for the republic that we created. And it was so sad back in the day, you know, a republic if you can keep it. And now we're seeing ourselves kind of losing our republic because we're mob rule. And that's not what this country was founded on. No, it's not. It's not. And I'm looking at my notes, and uh, when we were growing up, you know, the only fights you saw going on were usually between high school teams. And whenever the high school I went to in Westbury, New York, got to play Uniondale, we knew that there was going to be a fight. You had something <laughs> to fight over, you know, team rivalry. You know, that's my, co- that's my high school, Uniondale High School. I know. I know. <laughs> and it was guaranteed. It, it, actually, there was a two-year period that both high schools were not allowed to play each other because we knew it was a guaranteed fight. <laughs> But, you know, it, it, there you were fighting over team rivalry. You know, mm-hmm. you still got along. You still all played on the same team. And we were unhyphenated Americans. But what we are finding from the left is they had to divide us in order to divide us to conquer us. So mm-hmm. now when we fight, it's not team rivalry or, you know, who's the better player on the team. It is now us versus them. It's white versus black, Christians versus Muslim. It, they have to make a division. So no longer the melting pot that we were intended to be, but a multicultural warring nation among itself. A, a nation you know, at a constant civil war. In a greater scheme of things, in a greater, when you look at the bigger picture from the 30,000-foot level, we're not that country that these small groups of people and a loud mouth are trying to portray us. We have so many mixed families now where the grandchildren and the, and the relationships between boyfriend and girlfriend or husband and wife are interracial. So we've gone a lot further than how these people are trying to portray America. So if you the, the, the racial divide or the, or the, the sounding of it it's it's almost as if the Democrats want to repeat a lie so much so that people start believing it themselves, even though they know it's not not so. Do we have some racism, institutional racism, and individual racism? And and sometimes it's being clouded too because it could be prejudiceness. That it's not racism. It's just that either I don't understand your culture, or understand you, or some biases that I may have based on an experience. But to say it's systematic across our country. I tend to differ with that uh, analogy. The other thing, too, is that if I have an interracial um, marriage and my my kids are mixed race, am I supposed to tell my kids they have to hate their white mother or hate their, uh, you know, or love more their black father? That is ridiculous. 
So, so the thing that we need to do, the common sense people, is to push back on this narrative and not let it become a norm. And now what, what is really sad to see is that uh, there was a, a statistics that came out the other day that showed that the majority of people that are in the, the violent protests are uh, suburban whites. So that, therefore, if the George Soros of the world and the liberal groups that have more mo- have money to create this chaos is utilizing and manipulating these young people to get out there and create all this this havoc and riot and destruction, they are manipulating these people, and it's unconscionable for them to toy with the minds and emotions of these young people just so that they can keep political power and or make more money. You're manipulating a. a, a, a group of people that is that should not be because in it itself the individuals that that's paying for this wouldn't want that to happen to them or their family members and if if there's if they have so much money to waste why not do it in a productive way why not provide jobs job training skill sets that's necessary for for today's job and tomorrow's uh, jobs why not create economic opportunities in the communities you've you've gone into areas and you've destroyed people that are trying to add to the economy trying to to do well and hire people so that they can take care of their families, economic engines that is in the communities that provide a tax base to help with the schools and, and the, the law enforcement and social programs in your community, but yet still you go in, you loot the stores, it's a trickling effect because that whole supply chain is now impacted, and the local grocery store that you just destroyed or local uh, CVS that you just destroyed, those places may not come back. And where do the community go to now get the products that they need on a daily basis? If they don't have a vehicle, they now have to take transportation outside of their neighborhoods, which creates another issue and cost factor for the people that are living there. So you've destroyed and, and rioted and looted businesses, and then you've gone about your business and left these people stuck in a poor economic situation. Well, you, you said a lot there. <clears throat> and one of the things, you know, I noticed when I ended up becoming an officer in New York City, areas in New York City that had been decimated by the riots of the 60s and early 70s never returned. They were still mm-hmm. boarded up buildings, stores that never returned, apartment buildings that had been abandoned. It takes generations for these communities to rebuild, especially if they're in urban centers. And if you look at all this rioting, it's not happening in suburban areas, Mm -hmm. it's not happening in rural areas, it's in the heart of democratically controlled urban areas. And people Mm -hmm. that are doing the rioting are not people from the local neighborhoods. They don't care. They get to go for some free shopping. And the more destruction they do, the more shopping they can do. It's a very cruel thing to say, but if you look at it, if you look at it with reality, that is exactly what is happening here. Mm-hmm. And these things are highly orchestrated. We know. If you see from overnight, our, they have made up signs. Who the heck gets them those signs? I can't even I get a know sign made up overnight like that. And so many of them in the T-shirts. So you know it's orchestrated and organized. And that's why, the unfortunately, the left is trying to silence us. They're trying to silence us via our First Amendment. They want to take away our Second Amendment right to defend ourselves and, and bear arms. And if they could, and they already control the media. So those are the things in Saul Alinsky, as your previous guest was talking about, that, that these are the things that's already orchestrated and dictated in the book that works. We, should, we know this. 
So therefore, we should not sit silently and and not take up the banner ourselves to say, even if you come and attack me on social media or you you come to my place of worship or business or home, I'm going to push back. And that's how, the only way to handle a bully is when you push back on them. If you stay silent, they're going to keep stomping on you, and before you know it, your rights are going to be trampled. We're going to have people in office like Alexander Cortez and Elon Omar that is doing everything that's opposite to what our country was founded on and our liberties and freedoms, and then we'll wonder how do we get here. So what we need to do is to stop this anarchist behavior now and not let it perpetuate it even beyond the campaign. We have to stop it, and I'm glad that the president's step forward to at least protect the national monuments, what, what benefit is it to tear down an inanimate object that never did anything to you? People have walked by some of these monuments for over 100 years, and no one ever looked up at a monument and said, you know what, uh, I feel inferior today, or you, you monument make me feel racist today. They couldn't even tell you the name of a monument. <laughs> or the history behind it, much less. Exactly. And then they're going after people that have worked for for freedom for blacks. They've worked for uh, abolishing slavery. They've worked to give blacks more inclusion into this country. And you're still tearing down those monuments. So, therefore, it lets us know that it's not truly about racism. It's not about Black Lives Matter. It's not about people feeling offended and, and they want to cleanse history. It's about a political operative that wants to create chaos. The, the Russian um, collusion didn't work. The, the fabricated uh, um, information that they wanted to present for impeachment did not work against the president. They thought the economy was going to tank when we had COVID. We started coming back out of COVID. Unfortunately, uh, Mr. Floyd's life was taken by this stupid officer that should have not been on the street to begin with. No one refutes that. That should not have been the catalyst to have people looting and burning and destroying cities and, and tearing down the monuments. It was just now an excuse because it creates another narrative to showcase that the economy is tanking, Donald Trump is not doing a good job, we have all this chaos out there, he's not handling it, and the only person to handle it is, is Joe Biden. I can't even remember his name if he comes on an interview. So <laughs> it's, it's all about politics, and that's wrong. It is. It's also, it's also just, about the money. Cause you mentioned the money, yeah. the donations mm-hmm. that have to be coming in hand mm-hmm. over fist. Mm-hmm. Follow the Benjamin. Go ahead, Curtis. Yeah. yeah, I know this is organized, as most of us on the right knows. But I was wondering, where did they get this army of socialists and, and Marxists to, you know, create such havoc? Well, they started in the school. Property. And, yeah, it starts at a school. Again, I thought about it, and I said, well, guess what? You know, what institution is not in session now? It's our universities and colleges. Mm-hmm. And, and who's the perfect um, foil to, to carry out the, um, the will of the left in this destructive behavior? It's those college kids who mm-hmm. were taught to hate America. So mm-hmm. that's where they got their army from. I think it's time we either – reopen the schools and send them back to class so they well, hopefully not learn any more Marxism and socialism, but either that or, or, or draft them, put them in the army, 
the Navy. But it makes you wonder, CB, it makes you wonder the the upbringing of these kids. I tell you what, if I saw my kid out there at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning causing this destruction and strife, I'm beating the crap out. I'm sorry. I I will have to take (laughs) to the rod and straighten that kid out because there's no way that this is the the way I raised you. You understand? So I'm quite, huh? (laughs) You heard of Martin Sheen, right? Yes. Okay, Charlie and the the other son, you know, the the, the fruit doesn't fall too far from the tree. Far from the tree, right? Got a lot of parents, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Got a lot of parents out there that support this stuff. They relive mm-hmm. in the '60s. Yeah, reliving the '60s in a country that has given them everything. Oh my! People man. think that it, this they think that this country is so bad, no one is stopping them from going someplace else to live and see how that works out for them. The many places that they will go to, there's not a Walmart down the street. There's not a Chick-fil-A down the street that they can easily go to. There may be some limitations on their movement. And if they do move about, they better have proper papers. And if they dare speak out against their government, their life may not be in existence the next day. Let them go to China. Let them go to, to, to Russia. If they think all these socialist areas, let them go to Venezuela. They think these Cuba even. See, if think socialism is so great, try it out for a year and tell us what you think in the real socialist country, not one that you're trying to make into a socialist country. And why would you want to turn our, our system of government into something that has never worked? I don't care how you've carved and, and diced and sliced and, and seasoned up socialism, it's never worked. In all of our years, in all of my studies, there's never been any socialist government anywhere that has worked. And this utopia that people want to create by erasing our history and, and, and turn a blind eye to what has happened in the past, that is not the way to operate either. We have to know what happened in the past so we can have lessons learned how to improve and, and, and process forward as a society together. But if you never know what happened, you are doggone well doomed to repeat it. Yeah, but but you get people like Bernie Sanders, like how marvelous communism is after he takes his honeymoon in Moscow. You got Harry mm-hmm. Belafonte touting socialism in Venezuela. Uh, but these people that they they have to be telling the truth because you know what they're they're celebrities, they're important, they're politicians. They have to be telling us the truth instead of taking the five minutes to take some critical thinking. Do your research, but no, no. We're in a day and age where if it's not in 40 characters or less, you're not going to pay attention. We are mm-hmm. a disposable, split-second society, and we've given up the ability to critically think. And that is the fault of the education system. That is the fault of the destruction of the family. That is the fault of the destruction of the church, which has led to the destruction of a community. This is very true, and when you hear individuals that you would think would be in sound mind coming out to support the rioters, to give money to the rioters that just destroyed black businesses in the community, instead of giving the money to black businesses to get stocks back, get items back on their shelf, or to fix up the destruction in their stores, you're giving it to the rioters that caused that destruction? There's something upside down with that. And if black lives matter so much, why does it only matter sometimes? Why does it matter in all these killings in Chicago, even under Rahm Emanuel, the Democrat uh, in control of that, of that 
of, of Chicago, of the Chicago. Why didn't they go out there and march and protest and in his office some, uh, supporting Black Lives Matter then? What about all these black abortions? 30% of the abortions that's being conducted in this country uh, annually is of black babies. Why aren't they supporting those black lives? It cannot, it, it, it dilutes your argument and, and, and it shows that um, hypocrisy, if it only matters for black Democrats at certain times, look at the area as, as CHOP that they called it. It looks like a doggone war zone with a whole bunch of graffiti and, and the issues that are occurring there of rape that we've heard on the news and, and gunfights and, and so forth and, and homeless people just, just lounging around. How, would you want that for the entire America? It's happening there, and, and these guys wanted to go to D.C. and have a chop zone in D.C., and it's going to come to your city next if it's not stopped. And the only reason that these governors and these mayors and, and some of these law enforcement people are not doing their part of what they were elected to do to protect and serve and truly represent the, the people in a, in a manner in which they, they expect to be represented is only because it's a political election. They do not want Donald Trump to be elected. Why? Because he's uncovered and he's allowed the American people to see all the shenanigans that have gone on for all of these years on the Bush, on the Clinton, on the Obama, of weaponizing our government to take out average American people. And we're seeing that unfold day in and day out, and they tried it at the highest level to take out a duly a president, uh, elected president from his seat because they wanted more power and position to continue utilizing taxpayer dollars to enrich themselves and have the power to control and manipulate people. And Donald Trump have pulled the cloak back so we can truly see what our government have been doing behind our backs. That's why they want him gone. And they want him gone now. And if they can't do it legally, they'll find some other way to do it. Again, once again, trying with another impeachment. And they're using now this COVID virus. They're using now this rise up of the Black Lives Matter movement. One way or another, they want to take him down and out. And it's our voices that have to be out there to counter the message and to show that we do stand united as an American, as an unhyphenated American. You, you had said earlier, which I wanted to touch on, about, you know, we've got blended families now, uh, interracial families. If you look back, even just 50 years ago, it was something that is very rare. We as a nation have been mo moving closer and closer together. When you talk about... Um, Economic equality on the left. They love that. Economic inequality. Never in today are there so many similarities with the wealthy and with the poorest. You know, you say 100 years ago, not every household had a car or even a TV or a telephone. But name me a household that doesn't have a cell phone, which is extremely rare. It's a rarity. And if before it was normal. Uh, we have moved together rape uh, economically and socially like never before in history, but that's not good for them. It doesn't sell their message. There's no victimhood. If there's no victimhood, there's no ability to control you, to have power over you, to get back into office and keep those Benjamins rolling into the bank account. And that's what it's all about. They need the victims. And as a society, there's fewer and fewer victims. Well, you're absolutely right. You hit the nail on the head with that one. And to that end, people – 
on both sides of the aisles, particularly black Americans who have seen their, if they live in, in the inner city areas, these are areas that have been controlled for years, whether it be 20, 30, 40, 50 years, by strictly Democrats. And when you look on the other side, and they're a mixed bag of uh, political parties that are representing other districts and areas around you, and those areas are flourishing economic, economically, educationally, safety and security, and yours is not, you have to be honest with yourself and say, I want more, and I don't care what the party affiliation is, I want to vote that next person in that will represent me in the right way because I want safety and security in my community. I want my kids to have better schools. I want to have an opportunity to be able to work in my community rather than travel 20, 30 miles a day one way to get to work. That lessens your quality of life. And so you, you must ask yourself and look around you, like where are the, these, the Black Lives Matter and, and, and the, the rioters and protesters, why are they tearing things? down as opposed to building up why are all these corporations rushing to 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 get a pass for not having their businesses boycott and send millions of dollars to these rioting groups without even asking where's the money going to go instead of looking at doing the things that can truly help to build up people in their communities so they can do for themselves rather than giving them a fish we want to teach them how to fish so they can feed themselves forever and that's why when i saw the 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 destruction of some of these businesses in 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 these areas that were impacted by the riot i started a gofundme account it's called riot business relief fund and my intent is raising money for these businesses that have been impacted across the nation to provide, um, not loan, it's going to be free money to them based on what their needs are to restock their shelves or to help uh, in the expense of of what they had to fix up that were were broken, and to get them back on their feet. And and, and part of the the um, my campaign is to also give them technical assistance with their business, so they can have more detailed information how they can make their businesses more successful than it was before, and also operate under uh, understand their business to be able to pivot in the event another situation occurs like COVID. Many of our black-owned businesses were not able able to pivot and have resources coming in to keep their staff intact while we were going through the COVID situation. And any business that that has not done a reflection on themselves and do have a self-analysis wouldn't know that these are the things and elements they need to put in place so that their business successes can continue and have a building something that they can pass on a legacy to their children. And that's what we should want for these black-owned businesses, to be able to do well at the first leg, second leg to, do, to, to expand and pass it on to their heirs so we can build generational wealth in the communities rather than sense, from generation to generation pass on poverty. And if these people are from the Nike Corporation to the Kellogg's and all these other corporations, as opposed to throwing money at Black Lives Matter where you don't even know where the money is going to go, if they haven't given you a, a balance sheet or anything like that to say, well, these millions of dollars will be rebuilding businesses, you should be providing it to programs and or directly to these businesses to get them back on their feet so they can do for themselves.
Well, I, I've got a couple of questions here on this because I, I read this thing last night when I was putting my notes together. You center on just black-owned businesses. But if you look at a lot of these neighborhoods, there are other uh, races that own businesses. You have white, you have Middle Eastern, you have Asian. Uh, so if we concentrate on just on black-owned, you're not encouraging them to reopen and hire local people. My suggestion is if you can offer it to anyone who's willing to reopen, and if you are not a black-owned business, turn around to the others and say, listen, we'll also give you some funds for an intern program if you hire local kids so that they can learn how to create a business and maybe go out and expand the community. The whole idea behind the black-owned businesses, they're, they're challenged a little bit more than other businesses. And, and other businesses have these challenges too. But the black-owned businesses are challenged a little bit more in that getting access to capital is such a huge burden for many of these black-owned businesses. They'll either have to come out of pocket from uh, getting a line of credit for if they have a home or borrow from family members or take out their 401K or so. And many of them, too, have a loan on the items that were stolen, their inventory. They cannot go to – the big banks are just not lending. I mean, this has been a complaint for years, just not lending to, to black businesses. So they will have to go to an offshoot to try to get some money, which is going to be at a higher interest rate. They already have an outstanding loan on the first leg, and then they're trying to get a loan to get inventory back in their store so they can get their business up and running again. And then, too, many of these black-owned businesses have a, a challenge to get technical support. It costs a lot of money to hire lawyers. Uh, it costs a lot of money to, to get the business analysis. So with the, the riot intent and all, all the – hoopla with regards to Black Lives Matter is why I can just do my part and hopefully others will join on board and do theirs too. That's why I would love for people to contribute to the Black Owned Business Riot Relief Fund that I started on GoFundMe so that if we if we get a million dollars by Christ, I'm going out there and helping all other minority businesses to get off their feet as well that have been impacted by these riots. Well, you know, having been a small business owner, several of them, I was never able to get a small business administration loan because I'm not a minority. Each and every time I was turned down. So is there a way that you can help with others that, you know, like me, that I was not able to help my business with an SBA loan? SBA loans are so difficult, and they've made it so cumbersome. I don't think hardly anybody, even myself, when I had my businesses, could not get an SBA loan. How I started my businesses was taking out from my savings and also to a line of credit from my my home value. And not everybody could afford to do that. And so the, the banks, when the PPP came out, the, the, the stimulus money to the banks to lend to small businesses during COVID, a lot of the big box companies of course, they have the lawyers and they have the staff that can go out and, and apply for these things. Small businesses don't have the bandwidth to be able to fill out these forms and take time out from running their business and, and seeing all the other expenses they have. So they were kind of left in a cold. And when you see that these big box places are getting $10 million and $20 million, and then we saw the billions of dollars that went to dead people for, for COVID relief money, you know, who's handling this stuff at the federal level? The people that need it the most are the people that, are, that make up the, the economic engine in this country, which are your small, small business owners. 
So, therefore, that should have been the first order of where the dollars went out. So it was kind of a, a fiasco for the monies going to these big box um, stores rather than uh, companies, rather than going to the mom and pops on the street. There's no more money really left there, and the big banks that have received stimulus money and or have should have an incentive to help mi- minority businesses and small businesses, they don't want to because they see it as a risk. And then nobody's going to force them to do it either without an incentive putting before them. And I know the president's not going to put an incentive in front of them to do that. Yeah, one of the other problems you're going to have with reopening businesses is business liability insurance. If you're living in an area Mm -hmm. that is prone to these these uprisings, uh, it's going to be really difficult or extremely expensive, which would make operating the business not cost-effective. Mm-hmm. So this is another problem that that these areas are going to be facing, which is why it takes generations for these neighborhoods to return. If they ever do, because I mean, you've seen you from New York, so you've seen Flatbush and Brooklyn and Bronx. There are some areas there that never recover from anything. When the economic downturn occurs and it spirals so low, the property values go down. These people get displaced. People that have the money, they come in, they buy these uh, properties, and they bulldoze it and build these nice condos or brownhouses or whatever, and you can't even afford it for the people that used to live. They can't even afford it anymore, so they're displaced, and it becomes it becomes something you don't even recognize. I mean, in a positive way, in a good way, because the property value goes up, but the people that were there are now displaced someplace else. Yeah. Gentrification, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then of course causes animosity, which makes community relations extremely strained. So it becomes a vicious cycle, and it all yes. starts with the destruction of that neighborhood by outsiders who couldn't mm-hmm. care less. They just—they're getting paid to riot. Plus, they're getting free merchandise. Or don't let's forget the uh, police captain, a retired police captain that died on the sidewalk. Yes when he was trying to protect his friend's business. They were carrying mm-hmm. TVs stepping over him as he lay dying. Mm-hmm. They don't even talk. That was Heartless. black life. Mm-hmm. Black life taken by a black life. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you're telling me you're doing this for Black Lives Matter. Well, what about that poor man that died on a dirty sidewalk? We have to call out to the Democrat leadership. Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, they have not denounced the violence and the atrocities that have occurred in these neighborhoods. All they want to do is blame President Trump. Nancy Pelosi had the nerve to put the death of Mr. Floyd on President Trump. Rather than taking the leadership role to say, we want this violence to stop, protesters to stop, let's sit at the table and have a discussion as to what you truly want, they're not saying anything. They're silent. And the Democrat voters should call them out on that. The Democrat voters, if, if, if you truly want to have better community, better society, a safe environment, and have prosperity, then call out your elected officials, demand that they represent you. They work for you. They need your vote to stay in office. Demand that they respond to, to your request. And if not, vote them out of office and vote in anybody of any party that will commit to working on behalf of you, the voter. And one other thing is we've got to stop this call for defunding police. We need law and order. Otherwise, we cannot have a safe and orderly community. Businesses cannot reopen. Schools cannot reopen. And it, it, it was hey, only you talk about schools. to the complete anarchy. 
there was a, I saw it on the news last night, I forget where it was, that the city council or county commissioner or so voted to defund police in the schools. Was it not too long ago where we had the school mass shootings that they said we had to have police in the schools? So which is it? Yes. We have to have them or we don't have to have them. Eleanor, North, <laughs> Eleanor uh, Holmes North was out there on the street in, I guess, D.C. walking with a reporter, um, and then someone uh, approached her in, in a... Um, um, in, a, in a bathing suit of some sort, and kind of nudged at her, and then they go, "Well, where's the police when you need them? Well, you're trying to doggone defund them, so what the heck are you asking? You can't yeah. have both ways. You're a hypocrite. It's a hypocrisy. <laughs> oh, it, 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 sometimes you listen to the story and it makes you laugh, but when you think about it and realize that it is having, happening here in reality, and it has mm-hmm. real consequences. Lives are being lost. Property is being destroyed. Families are being destroyed because of the lunacy that we're seeing coming from the left. And we have to mm-hmm. call it exactly what it is. It's complete lunacy. Absolutely. And, it's and let me tell you, not only the left, we have to blame the right as well. Because if the right is not going to step up with just as loud voices to push back right. and get our country back on track, they are just as complacent. Absolutely, Jennifer. Um, where can people find you? At jennifercarroll.com. That's J-E-N-N-I-F-E-R-C-A-R-R-O-L-L.com. And is there a link over there to your GoFundMe? You know what? I need to do that. I will put that on my webpage. But the GoFundMe is Riot Business Relief Fund, and it has two hands shaking each other that is looking at, that's representing unity. And each each one of us helping each other. Black owned business oh, riot relief fund. Well, it's always a pleasure to have you with us, Jennifer. Um, I I love the work you're doing, and keep it up, and God bless you for it. God bless you all, and your listeners as well. And thanks for what you're doing to educate the public. Hopefully, somebody's mind's heart will change, and uh, do their their part to make our country even better and stronger than it was before. Amen. Thank you, Jennifer. God bless you. And have a blessed day. All right. Enjoy the weekend. All right. Check out her website, jennifercarroll.com, as well as the uh, GoFundMe, which is Riot Relief, uh, Riot Business Relief Fund over at GoFundMe.com. We're waiting for our next guest to uh, call in. Um, But, Curtis, I may end up texting you his backup number uh, if I can get my text up here, um, because it looks like he's a little behind schedule. We are expect Michael Gonzalez from the Heritage Foundation. Gonzalez. So I'm going to shoot that. Yeah, I'm going to shoot that yeah. over to you if I can hit yeah. you. Just bear with me for a second. Turn it to phone. I'm not nuts. That's what I'm doing right now. This new phone I got after the car accident, the keys are so tiny that, you know, my fingers are so big and fat. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> so I just, you need I a just microscope to look to at it, huh? <laughs> <laughs> mm. Absolutely. When I was now growing I up, I used, to have I... A, I used to have a chemistry set, and um, it came oh. from microscope and got to well, see a lot of like neat things. Got... This may be him. Yes, it is. It looks like it. Let's we click on there and bring along Michael Gonzalez from the Heritage Foundation. We were just talking about you. Your ears ringing? <laughs> I was I was waiting for you to call me, and then I realized, wait a second, maybe they want me to call them. <laughs> Sorry, I'm late. <laughs> well, 
Oh, no, that's no problem. Hey, this is live radio. Things happen. You never know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I hear I mean, you. I've got, I've got notes I scribbled all over the place. And um, you recently have an article you wrote about the destruction of the statues. And we were watching last night on TV as President Trump rightly defended two statues there in the heart of D.C. And that were representative of emancipation and equality. Uh, but the left doesn't care what the statue is. It doesn't matter if it's someone who helped free the slaves and died in the process of doing it. It's a statue. You don't need to know the history about it. Why, why would we even care about the history and what the statue means? Let's just go out there and have fun and create anarchy. You know, it's, uh, it's heartbreaking, actually. Um, what we're seeing right now, it's the product and we're, we're living through a difficult moment right now, as you well know. But it is the product of, of years, decades, <laughs> of attempting to replace the American story, the great story of America, which is a beautiful story, uh, what the left calls the hegemonic narrative, with the counter-narrative, a, a, a narrative of theirs, one with, that would help them introduce uh, socialism, uh, really, yeah, I'm not, with no exaggeration. Into into the country. So, so this is this is well planned. Uh, this is uh, this is a, a, the result of a major effort, and they have to erase history. They have to erase everything about America in order to put in, transform it, and put in the version that they like. You know, it's funny. On today's show, we had a really a rock star group of uh, people, and every last one of our guests had said the same thing. Congressman Ted Yoho. Uh, retired Navy Captain Ryman Shope, who teaches about the Salinsky principle. Uh, he's a National War College instructor, uh, former Florida Lieutenant uh, uh, General, Lieutenant Governor, if I get that right, just gave her a raise in rank, <laughs> Lieutenant Governor Jennifer Carroll, and you are saying exactly the same thing. We're getting the message. Why isn't the rest of America seeing the hypocrisy that we're seeing? You know, I think people are getting the message. I've been speaking about this all day today, you know, my first radio interview, uh, and I've been speaking about it all week, and I have a book coming out on this, The Plot to Change America. Uh, next month, it can be ordered, pre-ordered on Amazon already. And the reason I call it The Plot to Change America is because plot afoot to change America. It Maybe there are no meetings on Thursday night in the basement. It's not a the result of a conspiracy but it is a result of many different people in positions of authority, especially in, in the cognitive elite, the cultural elite, in the media, in, in Hollywood, in academia, increasingly, and this is very worrisome, in corporate America, that, that, that really do have bought into the idea that we're a horrible nation, that we are an irredeemably racist, bad country with a horrible history. And they want to replace all that. And this is what is being taught to our children. And, of course, this is not in the least true. You know, I have lived in seven other countries in the world at least a year. And I have stayed for months or many, many more. And we have a line out the door of people from all over the place who want to move in here because we're really the best country on earth. Uh, we have problems. Of course we have problems. No country is perfect. This is not, this is not heaven. Uh, we have to, to resolve our problems. But to say that we are a broken nation and everything is bad about America and all the structures need to be changed, that is an ideological blueprint, and all Americans need to know this. You know, in 
In history, we have never been so close economically and socially. We see more interracial marriages. We see the poorest among us being able to afford cars and TVs and uh, cell phones and computers. And we have a joining together of America, and yet all we're hearing about is how divisive we are, how racist, how bigoted, but yet in all of our history, have we never been so close together? But that doesn't sell the story. That doesn't bring in the donations. That doesn't get you the votes to get you the power and get you the control so you can create us into a socialist nation, which is racist, bigoted, and there is a huge difference between the ruling elite and the rest of us. You know, this is, this is the result of years, decades actually, of injecting grievances into people and telling people you're not individuals with individual agency who are able to improve your lot in life through individual action, but you're the member of a collective group. Your collective is a victim. You, as, as a result of being a member of this collective, are a victim. You draw your pride and your sense of, of self-worth and, 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 and your claim on attention and, and rewards on your claim on victimhood. And and this is, after years of this, guess what? You have an aggrieved bunch of people who feel like they're victims. But this doesn't resolve anything, because here's the problem. This this is putting the problems on a hamster wheel that never ends. Because if you draw everything that is important to you from your sense of victimhood, then you don't have any incentive whatsoever to resolve the things that make you a victim, the things that afflict you. It used to be that we used to draw our pride and sense of self-worth from, the, from overcoming the challenges. You have had challenges in your life. I've had many challenges in my life. The fact that we have overcome them is what made us get a sense of self-worth. But if you make victimhood the thing that matters to you, it never ends. Nothing ever gets resolved. And if you are a victim, then you become dependent upon the government. You no longer pray at the altar of God. Now government becomes your God. You are dependent upon government so that now you would work harder to keep that same government in place. So the, the tyrant is stomping on you, but yet you're saying, thank you, Master. Give me more. Hey, absolutely. And this prevents us from fixing what – look, we do need to have reforms in the police department. I think that it is clear to everybody but we cannot see what needs to be reformed, what needs to be you know, fixed about policing if we keep looking at the wrong problems. So we, do, we need, do we need reforms with our policing? Yes, I believe so, starting with the police unions. And in fact, let's have a national conversation about all public sector unions. But what national conversation we're having right now? Well, you know, having been a retired police officer, I, I'll take a different take on this one because not all police unions are the same. Some are an actual union. Some are just an association. Some protect the officers if they get themselves in trouble to make sure that they have good legal representation. And then there are a few that are bad that protect a bad officer like we see in Minneapolis. You know, you right. can't use a one-size-fits-all for these these police organizations or the law enforcement departments. You can't treat Minneapolis the same way as some small little 200-person town in the Midwest. So when we talk about this on a national stage, we should actually be bringing it down to the state stage 
and say, what is each state going to do to make sure that that law enforcement agency is properly certified? We, we don't need a national, but we do need the conversation, but we have to do it state by state. That's a very good corrective, actually, to what I said. Yes, we do not need one size fits all. You know, there, I'm, I'm sure that there are some police departments that actually have no structural issues. So, no, we don't need a one size fits all. Well, one of the things I, I see now is that you know, President Trump just recently passed this executive order, uh, which I started tearing apart because he is using the one size fits all problem on that one. But we saw this under President Clinton when he started talking about community policing, and he then threw money at various departments. So departments see federal money coming in. But once you throw the dollars, here come the collars. When I say collars, I mean leash. They tie everything into it. It's a step to end up federalizing our law enforcement nationwide, which is what the progressives want. Once they control local law enforcement, they can control the rest of our society and bring socialism to its full head. It's what Hitler had in Germany. That's a great point. That is a fantastic point. And I've seen the same things with departments of education and local school boards. The left wants to nationalize everything. That's not in the nature of America. We're very local. That we are. And what they're trying to take away is our individualism. With the individuals, there go our our freedoms. We saw it with the Occupy Wall Street movement, through safe spaces. You can't have free speech in this area of the campus, but you can only have it here. You can't have this speaker because now I'm triggered. So it's free speech on only one side, but not the other. And they tell you what to think and what you can or cannot say. They're already doing it. They have been for years. You know that's a, you know what I always say. I, w- I went to college in the seventh in the in the eighties, seventies and eighties, in in the Northeast. So all I heard was liberal stuff. Oh my God! If I had held, if I had felt triggered, and in, in, in wounded and offended, I wouldn't have been able to get through. No, I debated everybody. I debated my teachers. I debated my classmates. I had a fantastic time doing that. At no point did I feel like I was a victim, because most of my professors were liberals. No, I ended up liking them, having conversations with them, telling them you're wrong. I don't understand what is the difference. What is the difference with today's students? Why why are they reacting so differently? Well, they're being told what to think, and it starts in the public school system, K through 12, and it gets carried over into the college system. <clears throat> like you, I went to college right. in the mid-70s, <clears throat> mid-70s, and you were able to debate your professor. Well, heaven forbid today, in today's day and age, you were to challenge what the professor was telling you. And we would have the class, one side taking one part of the issue, the other taking the other. Sometimes even we reverse it and take opposite of what we think and try to prove the point. Uh, This is what healthy debate is about. Do you hear anything about debate society on the college level any longer? No, because there is no debate. It is the liberal professor's thought, and that's it. There's no challenging it. There's no critical thinking. And if you were to actually be able to prove them incorrect, you fail. And that's your yep, choice. Your enemy. You want to get through the college degree. You want that college degree so you can get that you know, nice job, that good salary. Then you're going to have to just, just knuckle down and say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, whatever. And that's the problem we have with our education system today. And you're so right, Andy, because today these, 
these schools are more like um, propaganda centers. I mean, like you say, from K through 12 through college, they're being taught to think one way and see life with one perspective. And anything outside of that is not to be tolerated. Yeah, you know, Michael? that's exactly right. You know what departments uh, have been the ones that have been hit most with, with, by the ideologues are the schools of ed. Studies have been done of how schools of education, the parts of the university where teachers are taught, teachers who go teach high school, you know, schools of ed, all of it, all of the curriculum is, is, is critical, uh, critical theory, you know, pedagogy of the oppressed really a, 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 a not, not ending leftist diet of ideas. So our teachers, the people who are, who are learning how to teach, are being taught already an ideological content. Uh, look, this is a, a problem that has been, what I was saying before, the reason why we're having our statues being, being uh, you know, toppled and we're seeing all the problems that we're seeing in our schools is because it has been a major push by the left a plot to change America, really, to replace the American story, the American story of, of a bunch of colonists that had very little chance of success actually succeeding at overthrowing the biggest world empire of the moment and, and putting in place a republic that had problems, that had a, a, a regrettable compromise with slavery, but that at least started out with the ideal that all men are created equal – and, and, and as Lincoln said, there was no reason for Jefferson to put that in, in, the, in the Declaration. The only reason Jefferson put that in the Declaration was so Lincoln could come along later and solve this, this lasting problem. You know, it, it's funny because the slaveholders recognized the fact that sooner or later it was going to be an issue that had to be addressed nationally. The founders, our founding fathers that signed that Constitution, had a massive debate. And if it wasn't for the fact that George Washington went into that Continental Congress when the debate was the hottest and Virginia was threatening to walk and destroy everything, he had everyone kneel in prayer. He brought a minister in, had them kneel in prayer, and only then were they able to make that compromise, understanding that it would be an issue that would be faced within a matter of a few generations, which is exactly That's what right. happened. They, they, set, exactly, they set yeah. it in place knowing it would be a dividing issue and it would end up ultimately on the side of God with freedom for every single man, woman, and child. That, that's 100%. You're giving me goosebumps. That's exactly what, what happened. <laughs> and, but, but, but this is not what's being taught to my three children. <clears throat> this is not what's being taught to the children of America. And this is not what is being taught at, at, at our universities. This is what we're seeing, the madness on our streets that we're seeing these days. Now, I don't mean by that the peaceful protests. I don't mind peaceful protests. Peaceful, peaceful protests are, you know, protected by the Constitution. I'm talking about the violence that we're seeing and, 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 and the, the sheer stupidity, the stupidity that we see people, you know, saying these things that are completely historically inaccurate. Uh, the toppling of, of statues of people who were abolitionists. How does that happen? Because of what I'm saying, because of the ideological indoctrination that we have seen. Well, here's the biggest problem. We've had our education system destroyed ever since Jimmy Carter made it a public system as he had, when he did that in the 70s. Uh, it started off with sex ed, and now we've got 64 different genders. It's 
Oh, we're only teaching your kids about, you know, sexually transmitted uh, committed uh, sexually tr- transmitted diseases, teaching about biology. Wait a minute, we got a science course to teach biology, but it was the first step in the door to bring complete control over the education system. And of course, federal dollars get tied to it again, so the feds can set the program. What we need is to bring education back down to the state stage, and then allow each and every state do what we have done here in South Carolina, is say it is mandatory, it is state law that on all levels of education, you must teach the founding documents and the founding principles of America. You must teach the true history. Instead, we've got someone like Howard Zinn that took control of our education system through the textbooks. We have textbooks that only come out of Texas or California. The school districts don't even bother to look elsewhere to find a textbook that is proper. It's really easy. Just mass order these things. Yeah, you know, Howard Zinn, it's... He has a lot to answer for. You know, if you go on Amazon, when you go order my book, The Plot to Change America, go on Amazon and look at the people history of the United States. Now, it was written in 1980. It is still number one on several categories. Why is that? Because it is used in school curriculum. It's, it's, used, it's used in high school and it's used in college. And it is a book that is, is astounding, astoundingly bad scholarship. He, to begin with, he has no footnotes. And, and, and again, filled with inaccuracies. And it's, it's, this has been one of these books that has been a signal success at teaching American kids that the country's ugly. You know, I, I watched the riots and I saw these protesters out there. There was two clowns that had um, lash marks painted on their back and they were being led around in chains. And they're doing the white you know, apology, the white privilege apology. And it really turned my stomach. And I've been saying this all day that, you know, God doesn't make mistakes. He chose when, where, and to whom I was born. From that moment on, I'm responsible for any actions after that. I'm not responsible for what happened prior. And if I see a problem, it's how I attack it, how I look at it, and how I help to solve it. That's what I am responsible for. So I kneel before no one saved my God. But this is not what we're seeing out there. We're seeing businesses. We're seeing organizations. We are seeing the media. And we're seeing the liberal loony left doing everything to apologize when they have nothing to apologize for. Do we have prejudice? Yes, we're human beings. Everyone has some form of a prejudice, whether you realize it or not. But are we going to apologize for it? No. Recognize it and see what you can do to make your behavior better, how to make yourself a better person, and how to unite America. But we're not seeing this, Michael. It's easier to tear apart and destroy because once you divide, you then conquer. You conquer, you get power, power, money, and now it walks in socialism. I think that's the thing, that we all have the power to build, to construct, and we all have the power to destroy, right? And it's a lot easier to destroy than it is to build. Uh, these statues that are being torn down, defaced, and destroyed took a long time to build, but we see them come down within a couple of hours. Um, this is, by the way, this is a huge failure by our, our leadership in, 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 in the big cities. The, the fact that they're not able to protect, you know, you have no liberty if you do not have order. If you cannot walk down the street, you cannot. Have, you know, if you're afraid to walk down the street, you 
you really have lost your liberty. So what we're seeing here is, again, I'm not against peaceful protests. I, I, I like the rest of the, the, the country was united at the tragedy, you know, was repulsed by the tragedy of George Floyd. Um, but I don't think anybody, you know, expected or, or, or really supports, well, I mean, I guess some people do support it, the acts of violence that we're seeing in, in our major American cities. And, and why isn't no. why aren't why aren't the, the, the local leaders, the city leaders, doing something to stop this? Well, we have a comment in the chat room here that apologies are from people who feel guilty about getting caught revealing the true inner egomanic. <laughs> I can't even pronounce the word egomaniac and self-superiority, and this is what we're seeing. I'm looking at the clock. I just didn't even realize we're inside our last three minutes of the show, Michael. I want to thank you for joining us. Uh, people can find you at heritage.org, and again, the name of your book and where people can find it? It's The Plot to Change America, How Identity Politics is Dividing the Land of the Free, and it really is very timely. I'm very happy that it is timely. I'm very unhappy as to as for the reason why it is timely, and I detail the history of how it is that we have gotten to this point, how it is that there are a set of people who, who are trying to replace the story of America, which they call the hegemonic narrative, with a completely different story. Well, I'm looking forward to reading it. You're going to have to have Tom send me a copy. Um, I really look forward to it. And I welcome you back on the show anytime. You know, you guys are sending me over such great guests and I never have enough time to get into everything I wanted to talk to you about. Have me on in a month. The book comes out on July 28th. It can be pre-ordered now, but have me on again in a month after it gets published. I'll be very happy to speak with you again and to your to your listeners. Absolutely. I want to thank you very much. Again, people can find you at heritage.org. God bless you for the hard work you do. God bless you. Thanks a lot and all your listeners. Thank you. All right. Take care. Curtis, I can't Thank you. can't believe this whole show went whole show went so so fast. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it was I, just, I'm looking I mean, at the clock. We're down like, to one wow. minute. But I wanna thank everyone that joined us with their comments over at uh, uh Facebook, watching over there. Also our friends over here over on uh Blog Talk Radio. And I will get it up onto YouTube a little bit later on tonight. We will be back here next week, and I don't even know who I got lined up yet. But if it's anything like today, it's going to be absolutely awesome. Right, Curtis? Always. (laughs) Always awesome. (laughs) So, again, I want everyone to be careful out there. The loonies are in full swing, so please be aware of yourself your surroundings. Uh, Don't go out alone if you're going to an area that is in danger. And I want to do see all of you back here next week with your smiling faces. Until then, just follow us over on Southern Sense. Put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. And I will say good night and God bless. Until then.